So Mike sits all by himself and Eleven walks in and I feel like all the other kids at the dance are like, who is this? Exactly. Isn't that? And then she, they're like dancing and they're like, kissing and they're like, what's that? that? Is Mike's that a cousin? cousin? <laughs> oh my god, I never even thought about that! Wait, wait she's back from freaking Sweden or whatever she's supposed to go to? <laughs> Hello and welcome to our Stranger Things podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. So our fun fact for this episode is if you were hosting like a school dance, what um, theme would you want it to be? Mm-hmm. And I want to go like, you don't necessarily like have to dress with the theme because I don't want to like put anybody in like a box or anything, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of interested in like a medieval fairy tale okay type thing like i feel like you would have some really cool decorations in that regard but i don't want to like make anybody wear like some ren fair stuff you know okay um like i want people to just wear whatever they want but the decorations would be like that so the prom episode from season three of riverdale sure yeah or (laughs) homecoming from never been kissed which i'm realizing i think i'm the only one who's watched that movie here yeah i've seen parts my name is Brittany ray i'm a 31 year old Yardist. <laughs> I'm a yardist and journalist. Should I leave that? No. no. <laughs> and my name is Brittany Ray. <laughs> Brittany. Sorry, I was imagining what a yardist would do. We're, we've been recording for almost five minutes and we have about 30 seconds worth of usable content. Okay. I'm so sorry. This is going to be one of those podcasts I see. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 31 year old yardist. Sam, stop laughing! <clears throat> and my name is Brittany. You go. Say your thing. <sighs> Robin, can you do my intro for me? <laughs> That'd be weird. <laughs> and my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 31-year-old artist and journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. <laughs> Sorry. When I did my first intro, I pronounced artist as yardist, and now I can't get through it without laughing, so this is just the intro now. My theme, I like, I'm cliche, so I picked Galaxy. Respect. Yeah. I would have fun with that. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 28-year-old marketing coordinator and television critic. I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. My instinctual answer to this question was tropical themed because mm-hmm. I just want to spend all of my time at the beach. Um, I and then about where we live. My backup answer was back to the future themed. <gasps> so the under the sea dance. Oh, like 80s. <laughs> oh my God. And you should do 80s. But like, yeah, like 80s. Like it's under the sea, but in the 80s because that's the dance in back to the I kind of love it. But actually it's in the 50s mm-hmm. <laughs> because he's in the past when they have the dance. That, uh, I like it. Yeah. Today we have words to say about episode 209 of Stranger Things, The Gate. This episode will contain spoilers for seasons one, two, and three of Stranger Things. So, um, this episode's called The Gate. It's because Eleven closes the gate. What? Thank you. Good for her. Um, uh, some fun facts about this episode is that the Duffers were nominated for two Emmys, um, for this episode. Um, the 2018 Emmy Awards. They were nominated for Outstanding Directing for a Drama Series for this episode, um, but they lost to The Crown. And then they were also nominated for Outstanding Writing for a Drama Series for this episode, but they lost to The Americans. Oh, that makes sense, though. Yeah. The Americans really did it, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, this season was good, and I think deserves several Emmys across the board. Mm-hmm. 
Not and like also in acting. Yeah, definitely yeah. in acting, especially for like Noah and Winona. Mm-hmm. Oh, chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. So obviously this is the season finale, and it's kind of ridiculous to not do a season finale chronologically. So you know we did, even though we've done chronologically for like the past at least through two past episodes. Well, when you get mm-hmm. to the later half of the season, you kind of have to. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we split it up into thirds like we always do, and I did part one for the summary. So, Mike and Eleven reunite. It's revealed that Hopper secretly had her the entire time. Mike and Hopper go into the other room, and Mike yells at Hopper, who doesn't regret what he did. Back in the living room, Eleven reunites with the rest of the group, and it's really rude to Max, which I'm so glad is fixed in season three because it sucks. Thank God. Mm. Eleven tries to talk to Will and knows that she has to close the gate. Karen reads her romance book in the bathtub when the doorbell rings. She yells for Ted to get it, but he's asleep. She has to put on her bathrobe and go answer the door, and it's Billy. They weirdly flirt, and she tells him that Max isn't there and to try Will's. Um, The crew figures out their plan. They need to get the mind flare out of Will, close the gate, and keep the rest of the kids safe. So they all split up. Nancy and Steve have a moment, and so do Mike and Eleven. In the car, Hopper and Eleven make up, and they are back to being a family again. Back at the buyer's house, Steve tries to clean the house. (laughs) Mike and the kids... I have thoughts about that when we get there. Uh, Mike and the kids have the idea to go down the tunnels and start a fire to bring all the demodogs to them and away from the gate. Steve is not into it, but the kids don't listen. Just then, Billy shows up and thinks it's kind of weird that Steve is hanging out with his kid's sister. Steve tries to protect Max and the other kids, but Billy totally beats him up. Max ends up saving herself, drugging Billy and threatening him, and he blacks out. I think the upsetting thing about all of that is that Billy had a valid point for five seconds, and that was gross for me. I I think that part's really funny. It is funny! I think Dacre does such a good job at that moment. Yeah. So, the first thing that happens in this episode is Eleven's here, and Mike and Eleven have their reuniting, and Max goes, is that? And, like... I get it, but also, like, who else would it be? <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. At this point, she's she's just committed magic, but sure. Yep. Um, so, Do you know any other magical people? Yeah. <laughs> just living up to the mage, mm-hmm. mage title, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. So she says that she heard all of his calls, but Hopper wouldn't let her answer. On, uh, I think, IMDb, it pointed out, and this is a lot of what it is, but... <laughs> 353 is the number of days Mike called 11 to see if she was alive, and if you add 3 plus 5 plus 3, it equals 11. Oh, someone got their fancy socks on. Do you think that's a coincidence, or do you think they might have planned that? I don't know. That's a really small one that they could have planned if they want to, wanted to, so I'm pretty happy My whole thing whichever is, one like, ends up being. If this was Lost, I'd be like, yeah, they planned that, because yeah. Lost mess around with numbers a lot. Yeah. But with this one, I'm like, was that just a coincidence? Well, but no. it also makes sense because we are so close to when season one took place. Mm-hmm. It's literally like a year later. Mm-hmm. So just shaving off 10 days off of a year to make it 11 makes sense. Sure. Yeah, that's true. So Mike goes to talk to Hopper, and Hopper's basically saying that he was trying to keep Eleven safe and also trying to keep Mike's family safe, and Mike is obviously really mad about it. And you know what? Mike is valid in being mad about it, even though, like, ultimately mm-hmm. Hopper did make the right decision, I think. I think that there were things that he could have done differently. Yes. But I think ultimately it's not like he wanted to just let Eleven be out in the open. I think that would have been way worse. Yeah. Like, if, I, if he had done that, Eleven would be dead. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like, I, like... Love to imagine the version of season two where after season one, when Hopper found Eleven, that he he told Joyce immediately, um, because I've been dying to see, like, Joyce in, like, that role with Eleven, like, as the mother figure, Mm -hmm. figure, um, for her, but that didn't happen, (laughs) and... And I do, I really like this scene between Hopper and Mike, even though I'm like, it's a lot because 
Mike is just a kid. Yeah. And Hopper, like, does the best thing that he can being on the receiving end of those emotions from a child Mm -hmm. in that moment and just, like, lets the kid be angry and, like, holds him through, like, those feelings. Uh, I thought it was really good. Mm Mm-hmm. And he says that it's okay that he doesn't understand, but not to blame Eleven. And Mike's like, that's not the problem. Mm -hmm. I don't blame Eleven. I blame you. Which is like, okay, fine. Because you're a kid and you don't really understand these things. Right. And he like calls him a liar and all of these things. And yeah, like I said, like there were a lot of things that Hopper could have done differently, but he was... um, Doing his best. Yeah. 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 And he was um, like really set on doing it alone. And so he made the best decision that he could have possibly made without Mm -hmm. getting any outside advice. Exactly. In, uh, I think it was on IMDb, or it might have been on Stranger Things Wiki. I get my fun facts from either IMDb (laughs) or Stranger Things Wiki. Uh, so who's to say, but, um, it said for Mike and Hopper's confrontation, the Duffers wanted their performances to be akin to an argument scene of almost famous and, um, that Finn was actually genuinely hitting David as hard as he possibly could. Oh, wow. Oh, bless. (laughs) David's like, ow, ow, ow. (laughs) (laughs) David's like, here's the thing. I'm a big man. (laughs) I think the thing that bothers Mike the most about this though, and like he's allowed to call him a total liar is like, if he had just, like, never seen Hopper around, then it would have been different than the fact that he, like, probably sees Hopper all the time yeah. and Hopper was, like, actively keeping it away from him. Right. Which, that's fair. Mm-hmm. At that point, that's totally fair. Yeah. Like, they both have good points. Yeah. So he just, like, dissolves into crying because, like we said, he's just a kid and um, Hop apologizes but obviously doesn't really regret what he did. Elsewhere, uh, Eleven is hugging Lucas and Dustin and she notices Dustin's teeth. He does, like, the weird thing and (laughs) nobody likes it except for Dustin and eventually he finally does stop because Steve tells him to stop doing it. I think it's so cute. He's doing his best. Um, And so Max tries to introduce herself and Eleven's just mean about it. Like, I hate that. I hate what they did with this, like, stupid jealousy storyline. It's so dumb. It's very much men thinking this is how women react around each other. Well, what I like about it is that enough people said that they didn't like it that the Duffers fixed it next season. Yeah. You know? So, like, thank you for listening to... Like, that's why it's important to make your feelings known because sometimes showrunners will actually listen to you. And, like, I get where they were going with it because, like, the only place really that Eleven has seen relationships between people is television and like television of the 80s leaned into like gross stereotypes so all Eleven knows how to do in reaction to that sort of thing in her own life is embrace the gross stereotype. Which is why it's important to change those things in media. Exactly. But I'm also like Eleven is maybe not very observant because based on how Mike reacted to seeing her yeah, mm. Max is not on his radar. <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> so instead, she just goes to hug Joyce, which is really nice. But I wish Joyce yeah. had been like, excuse me, little miss. That wasn't very nice. And maybe you should go be kinder. <laughs> I, I think it's weird that Eleven just like lets the blood hang out on her face. Like, girl, get a tissue. <laughs> I think she probably makes her feel badass, though. I guess. But oh, I'd be like, sure. it would tickle me. I would be like, ew. Like that itches. Yeah. Well, Robin would know because she's had constant nosebleeds lately. <laughs> Um, It's dry outside. So she can tell that Will isn't doing very well and, you know, she knows that she has to close the gate and so she's going to do it, basically. Okay. Mm -hmm. Moving on to Billy and Karen. Um, There was a thing on IMDb that was saying, like, Billy goes to the buyer's household at the moment when things are about to reach a climax, which um, parallels the way that Steve went there in season one. Um, And, you know, we've talked throughout the this season about how 
Steve was supposed to be more terrible than he is. Right. Significantly more terrible because he gets even less terrible this season than he was last season. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's why Billy was brought in. So it makes sense that Billy and Steve kind of parallel each other there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Karen is reading her romance novel and the dude on the romance novel is specifically supposed to look like Dacre and yep. like the woman is supposed to look like her specifically as well. That one's mind I love that they did that. Like I feel like working on the props department of this mm-hmm. show would be so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also like I feel like if 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 I was Dacre I'd be like imagine the confidence boost. Mm-hmm. I'd be like oh yes this on this romance novel that yep. is me. You're like look at me look at me look at me. So Ted is asleep and Karen just needs a better husband and we all agree. Yep. I gotta say, okay, so definitely, like, the first time that I watched this, I was like, ew, this is terrible, this is gross. Mm -hmm. Today, I was trying to look at it with a open mind. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And even if he isn't underage, which he could be, but he also very well could be 18, you know? Right. It's, like, sure, whatever. It's still predatory. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I was trying to see it from Karen's perspective. Because, like, they're seniors. Yeah. In high school. Exactly. Yeah. He could very well be 18. He probably is. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they would have made this scene mm-hmm. if it weren't, like, implied that Billy was already 18. Yeah. He does have all of these cigarettes. He has to be able to legally purchase these cigarettes. That's true. Can you, like, I don't know if in the 80s you could purchase cigarettes No, I'm still It's possible that I'm you pretty, could. I'm pretty sure you still had to be 18. Well, maybe that's the way that they're trying to tell us then. That's the sig- signifier that yeah. he's okay. 18 then. Let's just say that then. Okay. And, you know, from Billy's perspective, this is really manipulative, and I'll get into that later. Mm -hmm. But, like, I was trying to see it from Karen's perspective this time, and I was thinking, you know, God, I wish I had paid more attention to how far she was in the book, but I think she was about halfway through the book. Yeah. Right? So, at halfway through the book, I haven't read any, like, purely romance novels, Mm -hmm. but, like, at least by halfway through the book, you you should be pretty, um, like, zoned in on who, like, the male... Oh, yeah, you are. You definitely are. And you know who he is and you, you know, you already want like them to get together. Mm -hmm. And I think in a, in a romance novel, like they're, they get together pretty much immediately and then it's all like sexy stuff, right? (laughs) Well, like at least, at least by halfway, Uh they're on the verge of the sexy stuff at least. Yeah. But obviously like his pictures on the novel and presumably they have like, uh, described him in the novel mm-hmm. as well. So, like, from her perspective, right, she's getting it, she's opening the door, she's and having, oh my god, mm-hmm. this is the dude that I've been reading about? Yeah, okay. Like, I don't know, she must think that maybe she's, like, in, like, some sort of dream as well, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I just feel, like, as gross as the implications here are, yeah. like, there's also something really interesting about it that, like, the f- she might not even feel like this moment is real mm-hmm. <laughs> also. Just be like, oh, 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 okay. Like, honestly, because Ted is, like, kind of so garbage, mm-hmm. I actually support Karen in, like, insofar as she doesn't actually ever go through with any mm-hmm. of it. But, like, having, receiving the flirtatious attention of the pers- the man in your romance novel mm-hmm. is definitely a confidence boost that she would enjoy and like appreciate the attention of like yeah. that would make her feel so much better than Ted who falls asleep in his recliner every night who right. probably doesn't even like remember to tell her that she's pretty every day mm-hmm. you know what I mean I mean yeah. there's definitely like if you take it out of context it's understandable that she would be looking for attention elsewhere mm-hmm. the problem is that because the show never established oh Billy is this age and this isn't creepy I'm just sitting here going like I wish that they had done a little bit more, but I think mm-hmm. it was supposed to be creepy. Well, I, th- I, I don't... Because I think it's supposed to be Mrs. Robinson. Well, I don't think it's predatory from her side. It's predatory from his side. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. Like, she's just, like, a lonely housewife, 
uh, who's like appreciating being appreciated for once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm gonna flirt with this housewife and make it like seem like I'm a good person, and yeah. I'm super mm-hmm. not. Yeah, I think and, you're right. And also, like, he was just supposed to be on a date with a high schooler that mm-hmm. he had to like break off the date with, mm-hmm. and now he's here, and he's like, but I could also have this mom, and having a milf is better clout than having a high school girl. Right. You know? That makes sense. I think that I agree with you that she never, like, really goes through with it. I do Mm -hmm. think it was a really weird choice for them to have her, like, actively go to the swimming pool to see him. Yeah. In season three, like, I like that they didn't, like, go any farther than that, but... I, I really appreciate that it only takes, like, two episodes for her to be like, no, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And I think that the only reason that they actually did it was because they had this scene. They mm-hmm. built, they had to, like, wrap, wrap up, it up the storyline. Yeah. So, like, it's it's still kind of weird, but, like, at, f- still in Karen's perspective and still seeing her, like, not get attention from Ted. Like, I understand why she, like, goes to the pool with her girlfriends to, like, get a confidence boost every mm-hmm. now and then. Right. I and just wish that they'd established what age he was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's graduated he's by by summer. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I, was, I was 18 all of my senior year because my birthday's in October. Yeah. See, I, was I didn't 18. turn 18 until I started college. Yeah. I was 18 halfway through my senior year, so. I also think that, and I know we're literally going to talk about this in like a couple weeks because we're going on to, <laughs> to 301, but um, I also think that it's an extra confidence boost for her that she's bringing, not necessarily like her friends, but all these other women are also coming to see Billy and Billy gives special attention to Karen. Exactly. Right? And so not only is he giving her special attention, but he's also giving her special attention in front of all these other women that who also sense. want him. So like mm-hmm. she's also kind of using him for cloud at that point. Yeah. But, but yeah, like, so I feel like having just been reading the book in this small town where mm-hmm. she has no reason to have seen Billy before because Steve always takes Nancy to school. Mm-hmm. You know exactly. What I mean? This dude shows up at, or, or Jonathan, mm-hmm. then after Steve, this right. dude shows up at your door. It must feel crazy. Yeah. And like, I know that not everyone will agree with me, but I am a Karen apologist and mm-hmm. I will continue to be. <laughs> so he calls her Nancy's sister because he knows exactly what he's doing. Karen is very beautiful. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't look like Natasha Dyer or Natalia Dyer's sister. That's no. see, she does not. Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't. Um, so he's definitely putting he's, it on. Yeah, he's definitely doing that. And yeah, he's supposed to be on a date with another girl. He says Nancy isn't his type, and so Karen's like, "Oh, interesting." Like if that was, <laughs> if <laughs> she, I feel like that's friggin' rude. Yeah. If if she wasn't into him, she'd be like. What don't you like about my daughter? That's literally exactly. my daughter. Exactly. You piece of crap. But then she's like, oh. <laughs> sure. Like the implication that is that he's into MILFs. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's like you're not in competition competition with your child. Yeah. So then, of course, at this point, he puts on the face that he's like really worried about Max. And he spent all season saying, she's not my sister. She's my stepsister. She's not my sister. She's not my sister. And this is the moment where he goes, I'm looking for my little sister and I'm so worried about her. Can you tell me where she is? Because he knows that it's going to make him look mm-hmm. better to her. And he said that he already went to Lucas's, but first of all, he's not flirting with Lucas's mom because first of all, she's in a happy marriage. Mm-hmm. And second of all, um, she's black and Billy's and racist. And Billy's deeply racist. So yeah, I'm like, I don't even want to know what happened at Lucas's house. And I'm glad I didn't see it because I bet you were terrible. I'm like, no. I hope you were at least respectful you piece of shit yeah i do not understand billy apologists mm-hmm. i just don't like 
Dacre is an extremely good actor and he's very attractive like as a person but Billy's a terrible person like I don't get it I think his hair is terrible but if you think Billy's attractive that's okay the pro like you can look at Billy and think he's attractive but like like, all of his actual qualities just completely tank his attractiveness yeah, yeah exactly so, um, she lets him in, and she gives him the buyer's address, and since th- their, uh, driveway is always dark, he should drive slowly, and he says, I always drive slowly. Yeah, okay. And then he leaves, and he goes, skirt, skirt! Yeah, and also, um, almost ran over her actual son earlier this Yeah, season. literally. <laughs> intentionally was trying to mow down her son. So, he, like, bites the cookie, like, um... Uh, suggestively. Oh, God, it's so, really weird. He's so gross. And, like, I remember hearing that it was Dacre's idea, and I looked and I found it that uh, it was improvised by Dacre, who said he thought it would be, quote, cheeky. <laughs> I mean, he was right. Yeah. I love it. Like, the reason that Billy is so easily, like, disgusting is because Dacre is so good at what he's well, doing. Well, he's willing to go there, and yeah. and you also know that Dacre isn't actually that guy you see in right. interviews with him. You know, he's literally been a Power Ranger. Like, he's actually a really chill, like, nice person. Yeah. And that's why it's, you're able to, like, also enjoy his performance. Yeah. Qualities of nice person, according to Robin, has been Power Ranger. Well, <laughs> that helps, right? Bye! That helps. I just thought that was really cute. You did um, right. Uh, so it's funny because he's like, okay, bye, Mrs. Wheeler. And then he, cl- and then as soon as she closes the door, he just gets into his car, like, anyway, all in a day's work. Like, right. he's just like, okay, well, now that that's over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he does not actually care at all. Yeah. So, um, we go back to the buyer's house, and Dustin is trying to get everyone to say demodogs again, and Dustin's like, okay, yeah, you're right, sorry for bringing it up. Dustin, Uh, stop (laughs) trying to make fetch happen, it's not going to happen. So, Elle says she can close the gate, and Mike starts talking about Will, because of course Mike is thinking uh, about Will immediately, because they're best friends. Aw, besties. They go in to see Will, and Joyce remembers the cold thing, and now he likes it cold, so they need to sweat it out of him, and hopefully Mm -hmm. that will work, and it does, which is great. Um, so they want to take him somewhere else, and of course then they start talking about all of the, like, things that this place would need to have, and then we get a shot of Hopper, so even though they don't tell us exactly where they're going, that shot of Hopper tells us where they're going, basically, which is to his cabin. So Hopper gives the directions, and he's carrying Will, as always. Nancy and Steve now, uh, have their conversation, and Nancy isn't gonna go because she doesn't want to leave Mike, and that's very nice. (laughs) Yeah, like, okay. I, I feel like the only reason Nancy ends up going is because for the plot, it's necessary for Steve to be outnumbered by these children. Yes. Uh, so that they can get away with what they do. Right. Because Nancy does not do anything in the other plot. <laughs> not really, other than, like, oh, she's the one who stabs him with the poker, though. Oh, that's good. Oh, right! Yes. Yeah. It's just interesting that, like, Nancy's like, oh, I can't leave my brother. And it's like, when's the last time you cared about your brother? <laughs> right. But, I mean, like, you can tell she cares, but, like... Mm-hmm. Mm. Not actively. Not like, I need to be next to him and protect mm. him, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Like. Right, and, and it's just weird, because we also, like, don't get a moment or a scene earlier this episode or last episode in which she was like, oh my god, Mike, it's so my, it's so nice to see you. I'm so glad you're safe, you know? Like, it's exactly. kind of just like, well, I'm here, and my brother's also here, so, <laughs> you know? Like, at least, like, you would have been like, oh, I thought you were dead, idiot. I sometimes forget that Nancy and Mike are even siblings, really. Yeah, I think that's a fair criticism. So, Steve says that he'll take care of Mike, and she should go with Jonathan, because Steve knows that Jonathan is a soft boy who needs support. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if it was, like, just Jonathan and Joyce, Jonathan would just be crying in the corner while Joyce did 
unspeakable thing. <laughs> I mean, Joyce did what needed to be done, For and sure. Jonathan's like, you're doing it, you're doing it again, <laughs> and like not coming up with another solution. I'm yeah. like, Jonathan, do you want him to die? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Steve also picks up the Christmas lights in this moment, and of course that's like iconic last mm-hmm. season stuff. And he says that he's a shitty boyfriend, but a really good babysitter. I gotta say, he was not a bad boyfriend. And I know we've been talking about that, like, all season, but he really wasn't. And I don't know where he got that in his head, and it makes me really sad that he thinks he was a bad boyfriend, and that's why he was dumped. I, that, so Robin had to remind me that they actually were dating during, like, the beginning. Oh, Sam reminded me. She would like us to know it was Sam. Must be. She's right. Um, that... They dated at the beginning of season one because, like, I kind of forgot that because in my head, Steve was a really good boyfriend. But I guess... Like, in season one, he was very heavily influenced by, like, the people he hung out with. So, like, Tommy and... Carol. Carol. So, like, if he was uncool by, like, having feelings, then he was like, I'm not gonna have feelings. I'm a a tough guy. How dare you hang out with another man? Exactly. I'm gonna say bad things about you and, like do shitty things and then like by the end of season one he's already like starting towards that redemption arc in the last like two Mm -hmm. episodes Mm -hmm. but like the shitty boyfriend part comes from like the middle three or four episodes of season one yeah and and And, like it's equal parts like shitty boyfriend and equal parts shitty girlfriend because you're spending all your time with this guy who was taking creepy photos of you like Mm -hmm. okay and another thing is that like most of the crappy things that he did were done after they broke up. So, like, even though it was a crappy thing to do, (laughs) technically he wasn't her boyfriend when he (laughs) did that. So, I don't know. But I, that was, like, what, a week Mm -hmm. in their relationship? And they've been dating for a year now? Right. So, I definitely wouldn't call him a bad boyfriend and it makes me really sad that he feels like he was a bad boyfriend because especially like when he got broken up with in which Nancy didn't even know that she broke up with him Mm -hmm. like was so harsh and for no reason and I just hate to think that he thought it was his fault or that he had done something wrong in that moment because he was so good he like took her to the party and he like tried to take care of her was the designated driver so wasn't drinking and then tried to get her to stop drinking and then she was just like you know, and it just makes me sad that he felt like he deserved this. And it's not like Nancy actually had negative feelings about anything Steve had actually done. It was Nancy poorly dealing with her own trauma and associating losing Barb with being with Steve mm-hmm. because she lost Barb the night she slept with Steve. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's forever linked in her mind. And right. she was literally, literally, you're right, yeah. she was literally sleeping with Steve as Barb was dying. Yeah. Right. So, like, she associates that together, and that's not either of their fault, Mm -hmm. but it's, like, something that prevents her from being able to, like, actually be with him because she, like, associates being with him with bad feelings. But then how do you be with him for a full year after that? You know? How do you just, like, lead him on like that? You know? When did you figure out that you didn't actually like Steve? Like, I think we've also talked about this earlier this season, but, like, when she was, like oh, Jonathan, like, I waited for you for a month or whatever. So I was like, so you waited for a month for Jonathan, and then you just went back to Steve. So this entire year in which Steve has been, like, completely fulfilled by your relationship and, like, truly loved you and, like, felt really great about your relationship, you've had Jonathan in the back of your mind the entire time. Also, like, did she wait a month? Because, like, she gives him the camera at the end of season, and she's already back together with Steve, Mm -hmm. and it's just now Christmas, and Will went missing in November. 
Right. Okay. Okay, sure. So in the hotel... Like, um, I know she says it. Like, well, I know what I you're think, talking about. Yeah, Jonathan says, only like a month. Okay. So, yeah, because Nancy was like, I waited for you, and Jonathan said, yeah, like a month. So, not necessarily a month, but... Meanwhile, Jonathan, annoying. <laughs> I Out of these three, I rank them Steve, Nancy, Jonathan. And Jonathan's like, that. Jonathan's like several steps down mm-hmm. below Nancy. If I had, like, all the teens at this point, I would go Steve... Robin, Nancy, oh, yeah. Jonathan, Billy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So Nancy starts, like, trying to apologize, and Steve, like, I don't know, I feel like he's like, please don't apologize to me, because I'm going to start crying or something. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a little baby, okay? And he's like, it's okay, Nancy, like, it's okay, but, and, and it's it's very good acting. Mm-hmm. Yes, it for, is. Like, for Steve, uh, for Joe Keery, but also for Steve to be like, it's okay, yeah, everything's okay, yeah. Yep. Um, don't worry, Nancy, it's okay, everything's fine. He's um, extremely good at this. He's very sad, though, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, and he says he... Oh, this is this is Mike now. <laughs> I was like, oh no, he didn't say that. Anyway, I'm just sad about Steve, and I think that also, if I could add more about Steve, because I have put a lot of thought into Steve, if you can believe it. What? Um, it's that, like... <sighs> Nancy was kind of like his only person for a really long time because he has a really bad family life and it seems like specifically his dad doesn't really care about him at all but like Mm -hmm. he doesn't talk kindly about his mom either and so like he doesn't have any siblings that we've heard of so I assume he doesn't have any and so Nancy was truly like the only person he really had because he lost his friends Tommy and Carol it was just Nancy Nancy leaves him who's his friend now nobody until Dustin exactly like that he was that was the only person he had Yep. And it turns out that, like, I don't know if he knows this, but we know that, like, their entire relationship was almost, like, kind of a lie. Well, it was a relationship in which, like, he thought that his feelings were reciprocated and they just, like, weren't. Yeah. It was a relationship built on resentment. Well, that's the thing is that, like, I think Nancy didn't necessarily, like, not want to be in a relationship with Steve, but I think that, you know, what Murray said is that Steve was the safe choice, and Steve was there, and so why don't we just be with Steve? And that's kind of what happened. Well, I think at the time when she, like, initially got together with Steve, like, Jonathan wasn't even on her radar, really, Mm -hmm. like, as a... Oh, yeah. ...option. Mm -hmm. And then they, like, got closer, and she, like, gave Jonathan a chance, and he didn't... Mutual (laughs) trauma! ...he didn't, like, make any kind of move, so she was like, okay, Steve still likes me, so I'll keep being with Steve, because he makes me happy. Right. And then, until it got to the point where he didn't make her happy anymore, because she was too focused on Barb, Mm -hmm. it's just, just, like... I find them as a couple just so uninteresting. Wait, Jancy? Yes. Mm. Jonathan, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm sitting here curious, like, after rewatching the end of season two, if Steve and Nancy will ever come back as a thing. Mm. I don't know, I'm just curious. Yeah. I don't think I would want that, just because it feels like Nancy didn't treat him as well as he deserved. It feels like retreading the same area when, like, they could both do, like, thrive in different relationships. Mm-hmm. Hopefully Nancy not with, um, dummy. Well, I that think- would, that would, I mean, j- that's just bringing in, like, totally new characters for both of them then yeah. if we have to, like, oh, get yeah. her away from Jonathan. Um, I don't think they would do that. I think Jonathan and Nancy are endgame. Um, just, like, based on what we've gotten so far. I know you're right, but you... Like, I think, I feel like that's, a probably true, but also, like, watching the final scene of this episode when, when Jonathan's, like, looking at her through the, like, window or what, or, Steve, Steve is, like, looking at her through the door of the school, I'm all, I'm like, so, is she ever gonna, like, 
realize mm-hmm. that he's still kind of got a torch for her. And it's like a huge torch too, you know, he's like talking to Dustin and is like, well, Nancy's not like, uh, Nancy's not like other girls, but like, even though he like, she like broke his heart, he still like harbors so much like yep. feelings for mm-hmm. her and everything. It's interesting that like, you're right, they have this moment at the end, like, I, I, I think that moment is specifically to tell us that like, it, he hasn't like just in a month like fixed all of his feelings, you right. know, but like, I, I don't think in season three he talks about Nancy that much, does he? Well, not really, but, like, at the end when he's talking to Robin. Oh, yeah. Um, she's still, like, on his mind. Mm -hmm. Like, even though he thinks he maybe sort of kind of has a crush on Robin at that point. Um, and, but he's still, like, talking about Nancy as, like, the one that got away. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm really happy about Robin being representation. And I think that was the right choice. But, like, I'm, whenever I, like, latch on to, to a character, mm-hmm. they need, like, the, the love interest that comes in has to be right. And I have to say that they're right. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, like, for the longest time in, in Harry Potter, my favorite character is Ron. And so, the first, like, time I read Harry Potter, I was like, ugh, Hermione, I don't know if they're they're good together. You know what I mean? Like, oh I was like, ugh, I don't know. I'm <laughs> not oh into it. Oh, my God, Robin. Like, now it's, like, fine, I guess. But whatever. But either way, when we were watching... Um, season three, before we knew that Robin was a lesbian, I was like, this is okay. I was like, you know what? I approve, and I'm so happy that I approve. And then mm-hmm. that happened, and I was like, God, now next season I'm going to have to worry about yeah. some other oh random girl <laughs> being good enough. Yeah. Um, so anyway, let's move, let's move on. So, uh, so to Mike and Eleven, um, he promises he'll never lose her again, but he, can you promise that? It feels like no. <laughs> Mike's like, I'm never going to lose you again. Okay, go off and do something dangerous. I'm going to stay here. Good luck, buds. Oh, I'm just thinking, sorry, back on the previous point. Of course. I'm just thinking about how great, though, it will be in season four to watch. Robin have way more game than Steve and get, to get a girlfriend like, and Steve's going to be like, mm. <laughs> Watch Robin have way more game, but also, like, watch them, like, wingman each other when, like, different mm. girls come in the mm-hmm. video store. Wait, like, right. gonna be like, and if you can tell if, like, one of them is into girls or not, and, like, which one of them has to, like, put on the flirt and which mm-hmm. one of them has to be wingman. Right. Like, depending oh, sure. on the girl that's in the store. Uh-huh. like. Yeah, literal headcanon that they're like, okay, and then it's like, make a guess, and then Steve will go up and be like, hey, and she'll be like, ew, and he'll be like, your turn! Like, like, lesbian and himbo best friend is one of the best, like, friendship combinations Mm -hmm. to exist, Uh, so I'm really excited for it. Um, so Mike and Eleven almost kiss, and it feels like it's kind of like the first actual one, because the one in season one was, like, kind of weird, and, you know, Eleven really didn't know it was coming, so Mike just kind of, like, did it, you know? So this one feels like it could be, like, the first, like, actual... I don't want to use the word, like, consensual, because I don't think the other one was uncon... Like, non-consensual, but... Like, it feels like this one was actually, like, reciprocated that we both want to actually do it. Agreed. Yeah, but like, then, intentional. Yeah, but then Hop is like, nope, that's for a month from now. We're not doing that <laughs> nope, right now. Yeah, so let's go. We're like, get in the car. So now Hopper and Eleven are going to have their big conversation. And I just want, I had a, yes, okay, one of the notes that I had about this was that it was a really great scene to include in the finale, whereas other finales may choose to do, like, only action. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? This was a really important scene to have in this finale, and I like that they took the time to have it, even though it's literally the season finale. Yeah. Completely agreed. I think, like, if you if you rely too much on action, there's no emotional fulfillment, fulfillment for the uh, audience. Mm-hmm. 
So Hopper's like, hey, um, why do you look like that? <laughs> and she's like, I went to go see my mom. And so he says, like, how did you go see her, see your mom? And she's like, I went in a man's big truck. And he's like, that's horrifying. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm terrified. What happened to you? And so Hopper, like, kind of finds it hard to believe that Becky gave her this this makeover. But it's really, I like that he remembers Becky's name. Mm-hmm. Because she remembers him and she remembers yeah. Joyce. Does he ever but, like, find out about Kali? Uh, I don't Not know. that we know of. Okay. Maybe there's, like, a throwaway line in season three, but he definitely didn't learn about it this, uh... I'm like, does he still think that it was Becky who gave her these clothes? <laughs> she says that she regrets leaving, but Hopper obviously feels responsible as well, and he talks about feeling like a black hole. I love him. I've been there, too, a few times, where mm-hmm. you think everything is wrong and it's your fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he mentioned Sarah, and it turns out that he never told Eleven about Sarah. Like, he read her Anna How Green Gables just that? like he did with Sarah and all of these things, but he never actually mentioned her. Well, it's, he's, he he buried it so deep. Mm-hmm. He doesn't talk about it, like, at all. He, it seems In like, season one, he, like, even acts like he still has a kid yeah. to some people. Oh, yeah. Like, point. to, I think he, I think he says something about it to the teacher. What's his name? Clark. Mr. Clark. Uh, oh, right. You're right. You're right. And, uh, he, Clark asks, like, whoever else is, like, around and they like tell them that That Sarah died yeah right so he was scared that the black hole was going to take 11 just like it did for for Sarah um but it's it's not a black hole it's just bad luck Mm -hmm. but like you can understand how he would need to quantify it by saying that yeah like there need I think it's because he needs there to have been a reason yeah exactly you know that all these bad things can't just be coincidence like, there needs to have been a reason so that it feels like it wasn't for nothing. Exactly. Um, so she grabs his hand and they hold hands and they talk about how they both made mistakes. And he says that he really likes her outfit, but he probably wouldn't use the word bitchin' to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. So then Steve helps Dustin put the dead demodog in the freezer and Dustin's just like throwing all the food on the ground. Like, at least put it on the counter. I know, right? He's so reckless about it. Or like, put it in the fridge. This is frozen items. Why? Why are we trashing their house more than we need to? It's already trashed. Every year, every year we trash the buyer's residence. Like, no wonder she moves away. Yeah. So they can't. House has been through some stuff. Mm -hmm. They can't bury it because of science. And (laughs) Dustin's like, "Come on, Steve. It's not a dog." And I'm like, "Says the guy who keeps insisting we say demodog." Yeah. And then he's like, "It's not a dog." And then later. Mike, I think, says dog, and he's like, Demodog! And I'm like, okay, okay, like, okay we get it, we get yeah. it. Dustin, so, you're being that friend. <laughs> after they get it into the freezer, Steve gives Dustin, like, a little hair ruffle, and it's really cute. I mean, it's over top of his hat, but it's still really fucking cute. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, so after Dustin has just thrown everything to the ground, including, like, the grates and everything, just everything, yep. and can't wait for Joyce to get home and open the freezer and find this dead Demodog. <laughs> Um, oh my god. They're literally like, uh, we need this for science. I'm like, did anyone go back and like grab it? Did anyone for science Joyce? Or whatever. Oh god. Um, after Dustin has completely just like made it worse, mm-hmm. um, we cut to Lucas and Max, who are sweeping. Dustin. <laughs> Sorry, no, sweeping, not dusting. Sweeping. <laughs> oh my god. But like, but like, thank you. Lucas and Max are like such good kids, and mm-hmm. the other, the other three. Like, Will is also a good kid. Yeah. But, like, Mike and Dustin and Eleven are just, like, chaos. Yeah. Yep. So, um, Lucas says that Hopper will protect Eleven and Max says she doesn't need protection. And I'm like, sure, but also it's, it doesn't help. It, like, it, exactly. it's not like it doesn't help. It doesn't help to also do mm-hmm. that. 
Um, so Steve says that they can't do anything because Hopper is the coach right now and you do what the coach says. And they talk about how they're on the bench and Steve's like, right, we're on the bench. So Steve is like, so sports ball. Yeah, exactly. Um, a lot of sports metaphors going on here. <laughs> he's like, we do the thing, like whatever play the coach says, we do it. And they're like, okay, well, we're not doing a play. We're on the bench. And he's like, well, if the coach puts you on the bench, you don't get up and play anyway. Yeah. You just stay on the bench. Okay. Exactly. I love Steve's mom dish rag. It's such yeah. a it's such a good it's um, so iconic and mm-hmm. it, and it's such a good uh, addition. I feel like that truly would have been something that Joe might have brought in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's like, I need a dish rag. Yeah, because if I'm gonna be a mom, that's what I'm doing. So they come up with their idea to like call them away, and of course Steve is worried about you know death, and I would be too. So I get that, and they're gonna set it on fire, and Steve's like. Okay, it was bad before, but now also there's fire. Exactly. So I'm not a huge fan mm-hmm. of this. Um, we're going to stay here on the bench. And it's it's like he he's told Nancy that he's a good babysitter and he's trying to come through. Exactly. He's trying to live up to his word. It's just unfortunate that then he like immediately gets like knocked, knocked out and therefore cannot do anything about exactly. it. Exactly. And he specifically promised to protect Mike as well. So that's like when later Mike trips. Right. In the thing, and he, like, specifically yeah. has to go back to get Mike, because yep. he p- promised to protect Mike specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when Billy shows up, and I love this moment. Billy. I love this moment, though, because I love, like, this whole scene. But, like, yep. when Max is like, oh, no, my stepbrother's here, and Steve, who I'm pretty sure had no idea that Max was Billy's stepsister anyway. Until yep. this moment. He's like, okay, I see the irony here. This is the guy who I've been against all season, and now I have to go against him to protect you. Okay, we see. Ah, there's a narration going. Got it. But I love this. Steve's like, I am the main character. (laughs) I love this moment because she's like, Oh no, my brother, he's gonna kill us or whatever. And then you get like this push-in shot of Steve, who's like, Okay, time to hero, and I'm like, Do it. She like, Bless you, you beautiful himbo. So Steve's like, I'm gonna be totally chill about this. Billy also knows that this isn't Steve's house. (laughs) He's like, you're in someone else's house. What's going on here, bud? And of course, now that he's not with Karen, he uses stepsister and not just sister because he doesn't want anyone to know he's he's not her sister. Um, And he calls Max a bitch. Says she's a bit of a bitch. What a deeply cool person. Cool. Um, She's like 12, but whatever. I think she's like 14. Yeah, she's she's literally a baby, but pop off. And Steve's like, yeah, don't know who that is. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And I really love Dacre's acting in this <laughs> scene that he, like, truly does look a little confused about this. Yeah. Um, that it's weird that, first of all, she was gone all day, and now mm-hmm. she's here in a stranger's house, and she's also here with you, uh, who's also presumably an adult, um, and now you're also lying about it, which is really weird. And he's got a point there. It's annoying when he has a point, but he does have one. Yeah. I also think that Billy knows, because I think Billy has finally figured out that Steve is totally a beta and nobody actually thinks that Steve is cooler than Billy. Exactly. (laughs) Because that's, I guess, what he was, like, worried about this entire time. You know, he talks about King Steve later. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love how as soon as, like, (laughs) we're like, okay, so Malevin stuff, yeah, all right, whatever. And then as soon as I'm like, Steve and Billy, let's talk about this. Let's just talk a lot. I just feel like... I just feel like all this stuff about the teens is really nuanced and uh, I'm like really familiar with teen stuff. So that's kind of why I always (laughs) go really far into it. But 
I think that Billy knows in his soul that, like, Steve isn't actually doing anything weird with his sister, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because not only does he, like, like, Steve just wouldn't do that. This is not in Steve's character. And I think he does know that. But also in the window where he sees, it's not like it's just Max looking out the window. There are also a bunch of other people, you know, like. There are uh, four other children. (laughs) Including Lucas, who he's familiar with. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, it's true, it is weird, but I, I don't, I think he's just making fun of Steve. He doesn't actually think Steve's doing something weird. Yeah. Um, so they're watching from the window, and you guys, I know that you're children, but you've done, like, they're, they're smart sometimes, and other times just, like, not. Like, the stakes are too high for this, you stupid idiots. Mm-hmm. Max is like, my stepbrother's going to kill us, and they're like, let's watch. <laughs> I can't. So it's just. Let's watch. It's infuriating. Like, let's I know. Watch. Let's watch him kill Steve. Well, it's supposed to be funny, and we know that, but also it's just so, like, ugh. So he hits him, and he falls, and, of course, that's, like, a throwback to when he gave him, like, basketball advice. He uses, like, the same word mm-hmm. for And he's that. like, you know what? You're the last person who should give advice on anything, you <laughs> piece of crap. Yeah. And, of course, there are several other people here, and Billy just immediately zones in on Lucas because he's racist. Mm-hmm. Um, if you try and argue that Billy isn't racist, I have um, evidence for you. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't really understand anybody who would argue that. Yeah, I have a bridge to sell you. So he's like, you know what happens when you disobey me? And this feels like your dad behavior. If you don't like being treated the way that your dad treats you, why are you treating other people the way your dad treats like, you? Like, abuse should not beget abuse. Yeah. Yep. So, in a yeah. perfect world. And he's literally pushing Lucas up against the wall just like his dad just did to him. Yup! Mm-hmm. So this is a very obvious parallel. And I guess for some reason Billy just thought that Steve was fully out of commission mm-hmm. because he like pushed him down and then he like, like we didn't well, even- he underestimate Steve as a person, right? So he thinks Steve's like a weak little bitch and he's like, so once he's down, he's down. Well, right. that's the thing is it's like, it's weird because he like all of this whole time has been like, Steve is someone that I need to take down. And so, and now he underestimates him, which is kind of weird because it feels like he's overestimate himself. Yeah, that might be more of it. Like I just don't understand what world you're threatened by, Steve. (laughs) Can't win a fight at all. So he's like a string bean too. I can tell you, men that don't that I don't feel threatened by are the ones I respect the most. Mm -hmm. Yep, thousand percent. So he comes back and just fully loses the fight. Um, But here's my thing: is that he's like, I've been waiting to learn about King Steve and everything, and I was like. I think the problem here is that Billy assumed that Steve was called King Steve and was called the king because he was, like, tough and big. But in reality, Steve is king because he's likable and popular and nice. Mm-hmm. He's charming. And it, charming. It's that he's popular and charming. And Billy just, like, couldn't get that through his mind that that Steve was the, the like, top of the food chain yeah. from not being, from not punching people. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't understand not bullying his way to the top. Mm -hmm. You can be a person of value and not be able to win a fight. Yes. So at first Steve does kind of well, but then it goes pretty much just terribly. Just crap. At first he's like, all right, I got this. And then he immediately gets tired or something. Um, and Billy's having the best time because he's, he's winning, mm-hmm. and, but when he's actually doing badly, then he starts being afraid, you know, but when he's winning, he's having a great time. Yep. So Max stabs him with a syringe to get him off of Steve. And that's like the syringe that they were using to knock out, um, Will. Cause like Billy was going to kill Steve. Fully, fully Steve almost died. Yeah. And, um, she nearly hits his junk with the nail bat and tells him to leave her alone. And he's like, mm, okay, I'll consider it. That's, that one's fair. That one's fair. Sure. I would like to see it. Um, so now they have a car, and uh, my question that I was doing was, where did Steve's car go? And I think that they left it at Dustin's house because mm-hmm. they walked to the junkyard. 
through the oh, train yeah, tracks. Yeah, 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 right. So I was like, yeah. doesn't Steve have a car? But I realized that the last time we had Steve had a car is that he was at Nancy's house and then they drove to Dustin's house. Yep. And then I think they drove or they walked from Dustin's house everywhere else that they've had to go. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that is the first third. And um, now we're going to go into everyone's favorite segment. Uh, actually? Uh, actually? Are you guys ready? Okay. Uh, actually, yes, I'm ready. So I've only got a few. I'm so sorry. Oh, okay. Don't have as many as I usually do. Um, first of all, there were two different, like, military things in which just, like, a bunch of things about, like, the military coming in near the end where they were like, they're using the wrong vehicle or they're, their uniforms Some are petty. weird. And I'm like, I, 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 all right, can't even read this. It's fiction. <laughs> Calm down. And then there was one that was from last episode, which I thought was kind of weird. That Like, I guess they had put it in the wrong episode thing. But it said, um, in Billy's room, when his father starts looking for Max, Metallica's poster of Master of Puppets is behind him. And that wouldn't uh, be a thing because it's supposed to be 1984 and the album was released in 1986. Oh. So that one's fair. That, yeah. Which is why I decided to... Um, Include it, even though it was about last episode. No, that's fair. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then one that's just ridiculous. <laughs> what is it? What is it? What is, this it, what is, is it? This is probably one of my favorite uh, actuallys that there has been. I'm actively excited. So I'm excited to tell you about it. Here it comes. Okay. <laughs> In the last scenes where Will is learning to dance for the snowball, we can see that it is dusk outside. It's, okay. Are you with me so far? Sure. Mm -hmm. Jonathan's camera shows that it's December fifteenth at seven o four p.m. Okay, mm -hmm. you're with me. Okay. Actually. The sunset on December 15th, 1984, was between 4.15 and 5.15 in Indiana. So it would have been dark before 7.04. <laughs> Goodbye. They filmed this in the summertime in Atlanta. Get a hobby. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got for uh, actually for you, uh, for you this time. But I thought that one was so funny that they were like, actually, I checked to see exactly when the sunset was in 1984. And it's like, you know what? No one's looking that close. Mm -hmm. Shut up. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so now we're going to move into part two, which takes us to the time jump. Um, and Brittany did the summary for that one. So here's the action-packed middle. Um, I'm sorry in advance because it's just a lot of back and forth. Short sentences. Yeah. Yeah. So Will's rescued... I can't speak today. Will's rescue... <laughs> Will's rescue crew arrives at Hopper's cabin and gets ready to kill the mind flare by overheating it. That's my nightmare. Eleven and Hopper roll up to the lab. Poor Steve is going through it in the back of Billy's car. He figures out Max is driving and loses his mind, which, like, I would too. Will Flair wakes up and is not impressed with the heat. Steve reluctantly follows the kids underground. Hopper and Eleven find Owens in the lab. He's alive! Yay! He's introduced to Eleven and Hopper asks him to help her lead a normal life when all of this is over. Sounds realistic. A <laughs> I'm sorry for this next part. A butthole opens up on Dustin. <laughs> that's, that's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dustin and he screams a lot. It's in my mouth. It's in my mouth. It was just so much the, of what it was, and then it was like, oh, I'm fine. The upside down. The upside down. Also, also, before you keep going, let me point out. I bet Billy's car smells terrible. Ugh. Oh my god, it probably does. Uh, it definitely smells like cigarettes and farts. Yep. <laughs> and a little bit of cologne to cover the yeah. stain. Yeah. Oh, definitely yeah. like a mix of cologne in there. <laughs> they dress. <laughs> I don't know how many keep going. Ew! Ew. No, Shut no, up! You're completely right. And then he's got like one like dinky evergreen. Yeah. And, like, and like it probably also smells like whatever like teenage sex he had in the back of his yep. car because you know he doesn't clean his car. Like yeah. he Max should. like gets into the car Ugh. every time and she's like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Okay. Um, anyway, so they drench the hub in gas and they're like gonna, uh, light it on fire. But of course that happens a couple flashes. Uh, it happens a couple flashes from then. The heat finally gets to the will flare and it chokes Joyce out. Hopper and Eleven arrive at the entrance, but it's surrounded by demodogs. Steve and the kids start burning the mind flare. It lets Joyce go as the demodogs head for the kids and the flare burns, um, leaving Will entirely. Hopper and Eleven head down. It's time to close the gate. Eleven uses her power to begin stitching the entrance back together. Steve and the kids end up surrounded by demodogs, but one of them is Dart. That'll be fine, right? Dustin feeds him nougat and they all get away safely. Eleven remembers Callie's advice and remembers her anger. It fuels her. That's a really good message to send. Steve and the kids prepare to fight the dogs, but they have a bigger target to worry about. Hopper shoots the dogs as Eleven closes the gate. Eleven remembers Callie as Brenner saying that she has a wound. As the flare reaches for her, Eleven uses two hands, and honestly, that makes all the difference. They're free, and Hopper hugs her. So they get to Hopper's cabin, and Nancy's like, this is actually nice. Not for long. So Joyce sees the fireplace and thinks, okay, yes, this is a good spot because that's some more heat that we can bring in. Yeah. Um, so they tie him down and they make it really hot in there. Then, you know, yeah, basically this whole thing just goes back and forth between the three storylines. So yes. it's really, really quick. Mm-hmm. Hopper and Eleven get to the lab. We've got those like pulsing lights again, but only in some of the some of the rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, Eleven had obviously really terrible memories here, so she's like nervous to go back in. It's the first time that she's gone back in um, since she left. Since she left, yeah, yeah. since she escaped a, at the beginning of season one. You know, Hopper's been back a couple times, but she never has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. He says it's okay, like, not to try and do anything because he's gonna try and do all the things so that she can save her strength. Um, Steve wakes up in the car with the kids and Max is driving and Dustin is trying to make him feel better. Um, Steve calls Mike Nancy and Mike, like, make, gives him a funny look because, like, how dare you say I look like my sister? Honestly, I kind of get that. I'd be, I, I'd be offended if I was an 11-year-old boy. Like, I also, I already think that... It's likely that he just, like, saw Dustin and then thought, like, the only other person that could possibly be in the car with me is Nancy. And so looked over and went, Nancy? But if I was Mike, I'd be like, no. No? Dude. Also, on IMDb, it said that Joe Keery improvised this. (laughs) Improvised calling Mike Nancy. That's actually really cute. I think it's brilliant, especially because it's Mike, because... yeah. He's her brother. Mm-hmm. Also, he looks down and Mike has gasoline in his, in his lap. So like already just really bad signs happening. He's like, here. oh, where are we going? He's like, you know what? I don't want to be here. I I love imagining like these four kids deciding who got what job in the car. Like Max is <laughs> like, okay, I've driven before. Get, granted, only in the parking lot, but I have done it. And Lucas is like, okay, well, I'm going to be in shotgun and I'm going to help you out with the map and everything. Mm-hmm. Mike is like, I guess I'll hold the gasoline. And mm-hmm. Dustin was like, I'll take care of Steve. Oh my God. I'll make sure he's calm and okay. Because he also says that, um, oh yeah, Dustin promised that Steve would be cool about it. Mm-hmm. So that also tells me that like Steve is like completely unconscious. And he, I guess it's the only reason they didn't just leave Steve there was because Dustin was like, he'll be cool. Please. Can we bring him? We need him. Yeah. Okay. So like, <laughs> how did they get him in the car? <laughs> oh, you know, all four of them were like fully hauling his unconscious body into the car. I would give anything to see that scene because mm-hmm. guaranteed they're all just screaming at Dustin. There's literally so much like within this that you can think of because like 
they brought so much stuff. Like, there's so much stuff in the trunk. They were prepared. Super prepared, mm-hmm. which also makes me think that they've just, they're just, like, working around the two unconscious teenage boys Absolutely. that are just yep. in the living room. You know someone stepped on Billy at some point. Oh, for sure. And they're like, Oops, Oops. sorry. Like, they would, like, casually just kick him walking by. Yeah, like, I wouldn't even be mad if Lucas, like, pulled a Draco Malfoy and Half-Blood Prince and, Prince and broke just, his like, nose. broke his nose. So Max has to, like, veer to her left, and it's a parallel to earlier this season when Will was like, turn to the left, and then they, like, I think, mm-hmm. I can't remember who's, they, like, uh, Hopper's driving, or, right. I think or it's Joyce, Joyce is driving, because driving. Um, they're trying to get Hopper. Mm-hmm. So Will wakes up, starts freaking out, and everyone's, like, really sweaty. I have so much respect for Joyce here, because she knows what needs to happen, and it must be so hard to see your son screaming so much that it hurts, and, like, knowing that you could stop it, but, and it's your fault that it hurts, mm-hmm. but it's, like, too important to not you, stop. You physically cannot stop, or, yeah. or you're, like... It's short-term pain for long-term gain. Like, the strength that Joyce has inside of her is just so much greater than Jonathan's. <laughs> and just, like, it, it literally is the strength of a mom. Because, mm-hmm. like, she... It's terrifying to have to do this to your own kid. But, like, she knows it's the only way that she can save his life. Yeah. And I can't be mad at Jonathan because I can't say that I wouldn't do the exact same thing, you know? Like, oh, being yeah. so freaked out by this and everything. But... It's just like if J- if Joyce weren't here, I don't know if Will would have made it out, you know, because yeah. it's it was just important to have done it. You got to get through it. Yeah, it, like it, it's vigilance. Mm-hmm. I truly can only bully Jonathan because I am a member of the audience and I know that this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like in the moment, if it were me, I would also struggle. Yeah, um, and of course, like Joyce isn't about to let this go. She remembers Bob, mm-hmm. and then she turns it up. And um, Jonathan really hates it and has to hug Nancy for support. It's a good thing that Nancy was there, you yep. know? Um, and also, That's what Nancy was there for. Yeah. Hugs. Moral and, support. And uh, Steve's storyline is significantly more interesting without Nancy there, so I can't be mad about it. Yeah. yeah. So Max gets them through the tunnels because she's a Zoomer. And um, yeah, they brought a lot of stuff. They're super, super prepared. So uh, Steve must have been out for like a while. Steve says no, but then Dustin says that a member of their party needs help, so they have to do it. Yeah. That's part of it. There was a thing on... IMDb or Stranger Things Wiki. I don't remember which one. Who's to say? It said the plan that the boys make in order to aid Eleven. First of all, Max is also there. So, The boys? Um, To close the... uh, The plan that the boys make in order to aid Eleven to close the gate is taken from the climax of the Lord of the Rings series, uh, which the boys are huge fans of. Mm -hmm. Um, In the third novel of the Lord of the Rings, most of the characters from the original Fellowship provoke a suicidal battle with the villain's army with the only goal to draw attention away from the Chosen One who destroys the evil from inside the very heart of the villain's lair. In both cases, this happens without the Chosen One's knowledge. Nice. Oh, I never caught that before, but that's a a really cool reference. So, yeah, it's like not only do we have... Sean Astin in this season, mm-hmm. but also the boys are huge fans of Lord of the Rings, so it makes sense that they would um, like reference take, take this uh, idea idea mm-hmm. and understand that they need to copy it. That's yeah. really cute. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. So he promised Nancy that he would protect them. So come on, we're doing it either way. So are you going to come and protect us or what? And Steve's like, fine. So he um, leads the way to protect them because he doesn't want to get in trouble. And uh, Hopper and Eleven find Dr. Owens. Um, he got hurt, but not killed. So I wonder how he got out into that hallway. I I imagine oh. that he must have seen that Bob... Do, he must have didn't seen he, that Bob didn't died. did he end up in the hallway? Was he no. not in the hallway last time we saw him? No, he was in oh. the security room helping Bob. And then he, like, got Bob out there. I just wonder if, like, he got to like see another security camera in which Bob died or did he think that he got Bob out? 
And he didn't. And so he was trying to get out himself. I think he was trying to get out himself. Yeah. Or escape yeah. the demodogs at any rate. Yeah. I'm just, like, wondering if he knows at this point that Bob died or not. Well, he was still on the cams, right? Yeah, I just don't, when, like, was there a cam in, uh, in the, like, lobby? I don't see why really there wouldn't be, yeah. vocabulary. <laughs> so Hopper's gonna help and asks Owens to help Eleven. He gives him a radio and he tells him to stay put, which he thinks, which he laughs at. I have, like, such a swell of, like, hope and love in my heart for Dr. Owens because, like, you know... When you're watching it for the first time, you don't know if he's evil, but he turns mm-hmm. out to be, like, the best kind of guy. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, a genuinely good dude. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, he goes, like, I know Hopper is literally, like, helping him and, like, helping save his life right now, and he asks for a favor, but, like, he comes through and he does it. Yeah. Yeah, I, my, that was my question is, I don't remember if that, like, is something that happens, but, of course, we watch the end of the episode, so. Yeah, then it happens in the episode. Yeah, it literally like, happens in the episode, Brittany! <laughs> And, like, I don't know that Doc Owens is necessarily, like, a purely good guy because, like, he is working for a corrupt government agency, Mm -hmm. but, like, he's doing his best and, like, he helps our friends when it matters, Mm -hmm. so... uh, I would call him an ally. I give him rights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would call him a morally ambiguous ally. So Dustin gets, like, uh, coughed on by the tunnel. So then Dustin, like, goes through this whole thing and they're like, dude, are you alright? And then he looks up with his, like, giant goggles on and he's like, yeah, I'm fine. (laughs) Thanks, though. Um, So they find the hub, they drench it with gas, and then elsewhere, because it's constantly just flipping from each of the things. Mm -hmm. Jonathan is scared that Will is dying, but Joyce isn't going to let him stop it. And that's when Nancy notices that it's, like, fully coming up his neck. Like, the black is coming up his neck and... Um, that's when his hand gets free and he starts choking Joyce. And it's like, mm, calm down. Yeah. Um, so at this point, Jonathan, you can't stop it because if you stopped it, he kills your mom. So what are your yeah. choices here? Stuck between a rock and a stupid place. Back in the lab, Hopper looks through the reflection of his knife, which is really smart. And, um, he like kind of psychs himself up to like go out there and start shooting. Yeah. Goodbye and rest in peace to Steve's lighter, which he's been playing with for the past few episodes. <laughs> uh, it's gone now. And um, so the lighter fire transitions straight into Will's fire, like the fire that's happening at the cabin. Yeah. Um, that's when Nancy stabs Will with the poker and the monster leaves the same way that it came in, which was through Will's mouth. Yeah. Which was extremely gross. Mm-hmm. But it also, like, it reminds me, you know, the, like, little slug that was in his, like, body System. in uh, season one also came out through his mouth. Yeah. So, and that Ew, thing, like, went in about that. through his mouth, like, that giant snake thing in mm-hmm. season one. It reminds me, not to remind us all of the terrible show, um, no. but it reminds me of how in season three of The Hundred, uh, when people joined the City of Light, mm-hmm. they would take a, the chip into their mouth, mm-hmm. and then it would be rooted in their, like... spinal stem like in their brain stem and so like because in season three will gets like chills on the back of his neck i feel like that's like where the thing like resided when it was in his body was like in his brain that's interesting i like that so they set the hub on fire all the demodogs leave and the monster leaves will like pretty much at the same time they finally turn off all of the like hot stuff and will is like unconscious but he wakes up and they're happy and you know it's okay because he's alive he's all right um can will have something nice next season please no 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 (laughs) at least at least he doesn't have it as bad as he did the past two seasons please give him like some good Mm storyline in season four i would like to see it Mm -hmm. 
a single serotonin, my, if you will. My boy's struggling. Mm-hmm. Kind of is. Like, I just want to see him, like, maybe also have powers because he's been yes! like, yeah. used by the Upside Down so mm-hmm. many times. And, like, because he and Eleven are kind of, like, siblings now, uh, I would like to see them, like, have a storyline together mm-hmm. where they, like, work together. I would like to see it. So, um, once all the demodogs are gone, Hopper, like, shows up and he's trying to shoot things and he's like, oh, cool, I didn't have to do any work. That's perfect. So, Jonathan radios and says that Will is good to go, which Hopper told him to do earlier, so thanks for remembering. Mm-hmm. They, like, elevate her down and Eleven's, like, holding Hopper's hand again because they're she's a family. Baby. Then back down in the tunnels, Mike trips and gets trapped and that's specifically who Steve promised to protect. So he, like, has to go back for him. Mm -hmm. We see the gate. It's a huge gate and a huge monster. And if Eleven weren't here... Okay, yeah. So this is my question. And I I don't know if it was answered in season one or not. I can't remember. But if Eleven weren't here, if Eleven had never been at this lab, would this have happened at all? Would the gate have opened? Like, they obviously wouldn't have been able to close it. But was Eleven the reason that it's open in the first place? I don't... I don't think so, right? I don't think so. I think that that... Well, actually, I'm not entirely sure because, like, they didn't know about, like, the other dimension Mm -hmm. when they were using Eleven. They were just trying to use Eleven to spy on the Russians. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, they weren't using her to, like, go to a separate dimension. They were just using her to, like, her brainwaves to, like, operate on a frequency that allowed them to, like, spy. But do you think... So, I'm... Like, what I'm thinking is... The other dimension is a, a side effect slash, like, consequence mm-hmm. of, of them. using her brainwaves yeah. in that way. Because, like, however it works, woo-woo magic, mm-hmm. um, it it slides her into a second dimension, yeah. which is filled with monsters. Which opens up the gate. Right. Even yeah. though, like, in season one, it's, like, just big enough for, like, the Demogorgon to get through. Mm-hmm. Because I think there are, there's like one in the lab and then there's one in the forest that Nancy goes into in the tree yeah. and stuff. So there's like a couple of small ones, I guess. Mm-hmm. Did anyone ever go back and like close that thing up or anything? <laughs> I don't know. So Just Steve. Chop that tree down. Yeah. Steve saves Mike and Dart shows up and Dustin calms him down with three musketeers, which I guess he brought with him just to be prepared. Me. <laughs> um, and he says that uh, him like putting him in the cellar was a douchey thing to do. Did people use douche as an insult in the 80s? I don't Well, think let's just so. look up origin of uh origin of the name of, and phrase. Well, douche. I think I think it's just going to tell you about the well, the item. No, but I feel like <laughs> uh urban dictionary would be. Oh, sure, okay. Douchebag and its variants or simply douche are uh, pejorative terms referring to an arrogant, obnoxious, despicable person and the slang usage of the term originated in the 60s. All right. Sure. We learned something today. Um, so Dustin knows that they're killing all the demodogs, and so this is likely like the last time he will see Dart, who he had a uh, a connection with. Poor Dart. Eleven is reminded of Kali's words and how angry she was at Brenner. <laughs> That's like that small little piece. Mm-hmm. And then Steve makes sure all of the kids get up up uh, outside of the tunnel first. Well, Eleven's like remembering that to like make her stronger yeah. and like using her powers mm-hmm. in this moment. Not commenting on what we commented on in 207 about how healthy that may or may not be Mm -hmm. because it it does work. So, yeah, Steve gets all the kids up except for Dustin, I think. Watching this for the first time, I watched it all in one day and I genuinely thought that he was going to get Dustin up and then they were actually 
after this amazing season for Steve, after him becoming, like, in my opinion, the most likable character on this entire show, I genuinely thought they were going to kill him. I genuinely <laughs> thought that he yeah. was going to get Dustin up, and then we see all the Demodogs coming towards him, and he's the only one left in the tr- in the tunnel. I thought they were going to kill Steve, and I was never going to forgive the Duffers for that, ever. <laughs> but I'm so glad they didn't. So they just run past, because um, they're like, I have more important things to do. Mm-hmm. There's someone trying to close my gate. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> So, Excuse me, you're just in my way. They're quite literally guard dogs. The, like, fire thing, they really just needed them out of the way so that they could get to the gate. So their plan totally worked. Yeah. Now that they're they're at the gate, they don't really have to worry as much because Hopper can just, like, shoot them. So, yeah, the Demodogs start to show up. Hop shoots them. Um, we get flashbacks to 207 because, like, that's how much what happened in 207 got to her. And that's, you know, been her arc for the entire uh, season. Mm-hmm. And then it's never brought up again. And she starts floating because that's how powerful she is. And then I have several things um, from IMDb about this sequence. So the sequence with Hopper, Eleven, and the Demodogs at the lab, um, the kids at the tunnels, and Will at the cabin were all interconnected with each other and had to be mostly rendered by visual effects. So there was almost nothing there when they started editing. And the 30 to 45 second sequence took them at least 20 hours to edit. That's incredible. Jesus. It also said um, the showdown featuring Eleven and Hopper fighting the Mind Flayer was the only scene in the show which didn't have anything practical. So um, That makes sense. The visual effects producers explained that the sequence took them a day and a half because the entire environment had to be modeled out and they had to storyboard the scenes frame by frame. Wow. And it was also really difficult for Millie and David um, because they were lifting Millie in the air and David was firing a shotgun that was really loud and the cage was shaking back and forth and Millie was like, maybe going to throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... Ultimately, they were really happy with how it turned out. Yeah, it looks amazing. Mm -hmm. So, like, I was literally thinking when we watched it, like, how cool that scene looked. Because mm -hmm. you know none of it was Was there. Right. So, um, the kids at the tunnel, like, the car lights flash really bright because, you know, lights and 11. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And she closes the gate. And then on IMDb, it also said, one of the things that the Duffers wanted for the season finale was to pull off the storyline's climax, all of the subplots simultaneously, which is a a challenge that they couldn't perfectly overcome the previous season. The hardest part for them was to build the storylines at almost the exact same pace. Um, because they wanted them to crescendo at the same time and make it clear how one storyline is affecting the other storylines. I always, um, I feel like they do a pretty good job of that in, especially this season and the next. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah. Of, like, having them all, like, go throughout the season, like, at a, at a similar pace mm-hmm. while operating pretty separately. And then in the last two episodes, bring them together, mm-hmm. like, seamlessly. And mm-hmm. I think it's really nice. Agreed. I... I think that, like, when you're watching it, you're like, okay, I'm with you, I get it. Having to write notes and, like, having to discuss it is really hard because it's, like, <laughs> so, like, separated and, like, so quick. Each scene is like, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. It makes it very hard to talk about. Yeah, and but, it, uh, but just watching it, it's great. It's just, it's very much not a um, weekly t- style of mm-hmm. show. It's yeah. a, I'm going to sit here for eight hours and have a great time watching this extremely long movie. Right. And there's definitely, like, room for those kind of shows. Like, a lot of people are like, we need to switch back to the weekly format. And I'm like, yeah, for some shows, for sure. But not but for, not all, for all shows. Like, not for this one. I love my eight-hour movie, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, the dogs, like, all, like, fall out of the sky, which is a really cool scene and shot, and Will and everybody is okay, and Hopper comforts Eleven, and she did it, you guys. She did do it. She's a, mm-hmm. she's a tough guy. She did it. 
So before we go on to part three, which is basically just um, the uh, aftermath, the denouement, and the time jump, we're just, just hopefully to talk about Patreon. So oh, okay. um, Sam, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, Patreon is this really dope service where you can um, sign up to donate monthly to your favorite creators or yearly, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you get like super cool little little things uh depending on how much you donate it's really it's really neat uh, it's a great way to like give back to the small businesses and creators that you support and enjoy Brittany, can you tell me some of the things that you can earn by becoming a patreon sponsor yeah i could do that so like if you were our patron for example you would get early access to the pods awesome you would also get a yearly postcard from us uh, this year, our postcard uh, window has closed. So if you'd like a postcard and you'd like a sticker pack, which is what we did um, this year, uh, you can go on shopylux.com and grab those for only $3 Canadian for a postcard and only $20 Canadian for a sticker pack. The sticker packs are really, really cool. And you can see the stickers on our Instagram. So you should definitely go check that out. We don't have that many, though. So if you do want one, you've got to go check it out. Uh, so that's at you know, all patron levels, but then at $5 or more, what do you get, Brittany? 10% off at shopbelux.com. What's that? It's our site where we make things. What do um, you make? I make resin art and stickers, and Robin makes fandom-inspired embroidery. I have Joyce and Hopper, and I have Steve available. So check those out, but I also have lots of different fandoms, too. Yeah, Robin's mm-hmm. designs are so cute, and Brittany also has a whole collection called Pretty and Bitchin'. Yeah. So, oh yeah. Check them out. I didn't. I did the men after stranger things. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. Like Sam said earlier, um, we also do annual memberships now, and those are ten percent off. So, for example, if you wanted a five dollar membership, in which you get ten percent off at shopelux.com, <laughs> um, instead of paying sixty dollars over twelve months, you would pay fifty four dollars up front because you get ten percent off there. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what else? Oh, if you can't help us out on Patreon, check out choppylux.com anyway, because that's another way that you can um, help us out monetarily without um, having to do it, like, constantly. And, oh, other than that, recommend us to a friend. That would be really helpful. That's something. Even if you don't want, uh, if you don't want to recommend this one, we have four other podcasts, and we'll talk about those later in the outro, but we'd really appreciate your help. Um, we also, we also have, like, milestone goals on Mm. Patreon, and, uh, we, we passed our most recent one, which was the sticker pack, but if we, if we get to $400 a month, Robin will play a lost video game, and you can watch her be scared. I'm gonna figure out a way to put that on our Aficionados YouTube, uh, I don't know yet at that point. At this point, we're not, we're not that close to it, so I don't have to worry about it yet, (laughs) but I have played through it once, and it's really scary. (laughs) I know that a lot of people don't think it's scary, but I did, so... (laughs) So I'm terrified, but, uh, yeah, so I, I, I can make that happen for you, but only if we reach our milestone, so help us out. So, so just like, if you want to see it. <laughs> I would like to. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to be moving into part three, a.k.a. Um, the part I'm most excited to talk about. Okay. Yes, just because it has so much, like, hope and uh, potential. And good vibes. Yeah, so uh, Sam did the summary for that one. Mm-hmm. One month later. Woo! So the military has locked up Hawkins' lab, and a news lady voices over Murray watching them leave. One of the guys gives Murray the finger. Nancy and Steve are in attendance at 
Barb's funeral, and Hawkins is the kind of town where nothing ever really happens, says the lady. Hopper goes into a bar to sit down with Doc Owens. He gives him, Doc Owens gives him a birth certificate for 11. It says Jane Hopper. Owens suggests letting things cool off for about a year, though, and letting before letting 11 join society, but I guess she can have one night. Everyone is preparing for the snowball. Joyce is teaching Will how to dance. Uh, like the way that um, she danced with Bob earlier this season is Bob. fine. Um, Karen is taking photos of a very petulant Mike because he has no fun ever. Uh, <laughs> Lucas is practicing asking Mike to... <laughs> asking Mike to dance? Uh, Lucas is practicing asking Max to dance in the mirror. And Max's mom is doing her hair while Dustin's mom is supporting him while holding their new little baby cat. And Deuce. Dustin is trying to uh, do Steve's hair tip with the uh, Farrah Fawcett hairspray. Uh, Steve drives, Steve shows up to drive just, Jesus Christ. Who's <laughs> Steve drives Dustin to the dance to help him feel cool, and he looks inside and sees Nancy, uh, feeling a mix of emotions before driving away. Nancy smiles at Jonathan from across the room, having no idea that she was perceived by Steve. <laughs> she would not like to be perceived. The boys greet Dustin and tease him about his hair. Lucas manages to barely ask Max to dance. He kind of flops at it, but she's, like, into it, and uh, they're pretty cute. A girl comes up to ask Will to dance, and he's very flustered and looks at Mike to figure out what he wants to actually do before accepting the invite. Uh, Dustin doesn't want to sit on the sidelines, so he goes and starts asking girls to dance, but they all turn him down. He's kind of sad about it, because he, he gave it a good shot. Uh, Nancy notices and then steps in to dance with him herself. Now he's dancing with a high school girl. Take that, Stacy. She tells him that in a few years, he'll be driving all the girls nuts. Outside, Joyce is waiting by her car, and Hopper walks up and offers to share a cigarette with her. They joke about getting caught in high school, and he tells her that every day gets a little easier. He puts his arm around her as she holds his hand. Inside, Eleven walks in and sees Mike from across the room. They smile and join in the dancing. Eleven is wearing uh, Sarah's hair tie as a bracelet, the way that Hopper did. And Max kisses Lucas, and Mike kisses Eleven, and for a brief time, everyone is happy. And then the world flips upside down, and that damn monster's still there. Oh, God! (laughs) (laughs) You know what I just thought of while you were saying that, is that, like, Barb's death is, like, um, is, like, now finally, like, covered up and, like, gets, you know, closure and everything. But I'm like... How does anyone explain Bob and, like, the right. other people who, like, died in that elevator and, mm-hmm. like, all those people, but I, I would, Like, everyone like, was all like, justice for Barb, justice for Barb, and I'm like, no, justice for Bob. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I guess, you know, they mention how, like, Barb died, like, how they're, like, explaining how Barb died, and I wondered mm-hmm. if that's, like, just what they're going to say happened to everybody else, right. and they're like, don't look at his mangled body, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's a closed casket, yeah. casket folks. Yeah. So, um, one month later, the lab is all locked up, and Hawkins is in the national spotlight, um, because of the tape that Murray and Nancy and Jonathan sent out. Murray is watching it happen, he's so happy because, you know, (laughs) he got what he wanted, he did his job, and I hope that the, um, I hope that Barb's parents still, like, paid him because he did do his job. Right. But also, like, didn't have to, like, still... They didn't have to sell their house if they didn't want to with, like, how much they were paying him. Um, So he gets flipped off by a military guy. Love it. Great. You know what? He deserves (laughs) it, probably. The the contempt that Murray has for the government is hilarious and also 
respectable question mark? I love that the government also has contempt for him yeah. back. Like it's, it's true. A, it's a very contentious relationship that uh, brings me joy. Yeah. So, um, on the news, the lady says that the people who are, like, in trouble or, like, admitted to this or whatever was several high-ranking members from the U.S. Department of Energy. Mm-hmm. And I, like, and Owens is just, like, hanging out. I'm like, was that you? Did you get in trouble? Like, or, I'm, like, I'm not guilty, Mom. <laughs> so, yeah, they admitted to covering up Barb's disappearance and death. And the only people that we see at Barb's funeral are, like, a couple of random people. And then Barb's parents, Karen and Ted... Jonathan and Nancy, and then Steve. Yep. And that's it. Like it's the, a very small like funeral. Karen and Ted were there. Mm-hmm. Well, they knew Barb yeah. for sure. But like, I like, I've never noticed mm-hmm. like enough of like who was actually there. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, I can't believe that nobody else showed up. Yeah. Especially after like a tragedy like that, you know? Like when a, a student dies in your grade, like everybody shows up. So many people showed up to Will's funeral. They had a whole assembly about Will. And like then like Barb, it turns out was like murdered by like Mm -hmm. terrible, terrible things. Yep. And like four people show up. Like sure, whatever. But like the nice thing about it is like Steve is popular, you know? I imagine he's probably slightly still King Steve even. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice of him to come because he did know Barb. He was there the night that she died, you know? And I just think it's nice that he went. Because he's mm-hmm. a nice guy. Okay. Yes. Um, so they say that she died due to an experimental chemical asphyxiant. Okay. So basically she like choked. Yeah. And the other townsfolk of Hawkins still think that nothing happens in Hawkins. So I guess they do a pretty good job at, uh, at covering it up. Yeah. Which kind of hurts my heart. I'm also wondering like if the like high ranking officials or whatever is like Brenner and not Owens. Owens. Right. That's why Owens isn't implicated. There was a thing on IMDb that said, um, during the newscast, the anchor woman mentions Hawkins residents believe they lived in a town where nothing ever happens. When she says this line, the scene cuts to the inside of a bar, and this could be a reference to the Talking Heads song Heaven, which is about a bar where nothing ever happens. Oh. Mm-hmm. So they're saying Subtle. that, like that could be a reference there. Um, so yeah, Owens is alive, and he meets with Hopper for drinks, and that's really sweet. I like that they're still friends. Just guys being dudes. Um... <laughs> Hopper says that he's on a diet, which was a joke because he was, like, going immediately into, like, Hellboy after this. Mm. Um, David Harbour was. Um, but then they take a hard lift next season, he, and he, like, gains a lot of weight. And, like, that's, like, no comments, honestly, about, like, David Harbour either way. Right. Uh, it's I just, like him chunky. Like, yeah. Like, it's just weird that they were like, I'm on a diet. I mean, I guess it was a joke because then he does eat the sandwich. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm just weirded out by the... That choice. Yeah. Yeah, like it's a it's weird. It is weird. Um, so he gets the birth certificate and it says Jane Hopper. It does say it says that she was born in Hawkins, and it says that the ma the mother is Terry Ives, but we can't see who the dad is. I feel that it would be weird if it said that it was Hopper. Right. Oh my god, that would be well, weird. It's, it's probably blank, but like But but her last name is Hopper on the thing? I don't know. Yeah. It like he specifically opens it so that you can't see the like paternity. Right. It probably says Jim Hopper though. Yeah. But yeah. like then Hopper's like, okay, like now I like cannot canonically. I have I like legally child. <laughs> legally uh had a a baby with Terry. <laughs> yeah. 
Whoops. But I mean, that is the best way to like cover it up. Yeah. So Owen says to still wait a year and Hopper like eats the sandwich because now he's like, oh God, I have to <laughs> deal with Eleven in isolation for <laughs> again. But yeah, she can have one night and they're going to do the snowball. Um, and of course, it's really nice because Mike promised to take Eleven to last year's snowball and he couldn't do it because he thought she was, I don't know, like dead or something. <laughs> <laughs> dead or something. Yeah. So uh, we go to the buyer's house and we see that Will has drawn Bob as a superhero. And even though Will was like completely out of it, like the whole time that Bob was being a superhero, it's nice that he like considers Bob to be like his hero and part of what like saved his life. Like Bob definitely like helped him stand up for himself against like his own trauma. Mm -hmm. So he's he's superhero to all of them. Yeah. And I also like, I like this as a slap in the face to... Like the concept that they were gonna have Will kill Bob. Ugh, God. Um, when they were yeah. like first trying to decide what happens in the season. I like that. That was rough. I like that on this show, all the really bad ideas get thrown out. Yeah, exactly. And we get like a better show. <laughs> like, like, please don't tell me any of your bad ideas anymore. <laughs> I don't wanna know how just bad keep, they work. Just keep throwing them away. Yeah. So Jonathan tapes Will and Joyce dancing because, you know, Bob was always the one who like taped things and he's like, I gotta make sure that we get the good stuff. Just keep the memories. Once again, Mike still doesn't want to take photos. This is a parallel to Halloween when he didn't want to take photos. Mike is such a buzzkill. I'm like, Mike, I don't know how to tell you this, but like when you're so much older, you're going to be so happy that you have all these photos. Yeah, guys, I'm trying so hard not to bully a kid, but sometimes I really <laughs> bully Mike. I know that like he's been through a lot and stuff, but sometimes just like, dude, yeah. calm down. Also, like, not everything is, like, a trial against your existence, mm-hmm. sir. You're your gonna... mom is preserving cute little memories of you going to the dance. Stop being a brat. You're going to miss your mom one day, and you're going to be really sad that you didn't take advantage of all this time you had with your mom. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's a great example of, like, a teenager. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. So Lucas practices asking Max to dance and Erica makes fun of him. Um, Susan does Max's hair and Billy shows up but does not comment. Um, I really love that moment where he walks up and like, you know that if they hadn't had that like interaction this episode, he would have like come in and been like, bleh, bleh, bleh. Max, you look, Max, your hair looks stupid. Max, you look shitty. Yeah. <laughs> but instead he just looks at her and she looks back and he goes, I'm a go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ah, uh, probably not necessary for me to talk here. Not necessary for me to bully my sister in front of her mom. Yeah. I would get in trouble for that. Like, I wonder if, like, Susan and Neil were like, oh, Billy is so much better behaved lately <laughs> since I yelled at him. Or, <laughs> like, whatever. So, um, we go to Dustin's house and they got a new cat because Muse obviously died and uh, they named it Twos. <laughs> I think that's extremely funny. I love that they didn't call him Mewtwo because that was a different thing. Mm-hmm. I also really love that Claudia doesn't mind Dustin swearing um, mm-hmm. because it shows that he's really comfortable doing that around her. Like she just kind of like accepts him the way he is. And um, it's not like he like swears and then goes, oops, sorry, mom. You know, it's just like, I just love them. I know a lot of people like wouldn't like that, mm-hmm. but I love it. Mm-hmm. I also think it's like really representative of like how you have kind of get a closer bond between your kids and the and your mom when it's a single mom mm-hmm. situation because mm-hmm. like this show has like two single moms on it and uh they are like pretty like great moms to their kids so um yeah mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 so she- vouch for single moms yeah she thinks that he looks really good, but he, like, needs his hairspray and stuff. And I think it's also nice that she, like, totally just lets him hang out with Steve, um, who's fully an adult by this time, yeah. right? And he he just, 
like he shows up in Dustin's life just like like nothing. Like mm-hmm. she she has no idea what's going on yeah. or anything. And so he just like shows up and you know, I guess you can just like tell how much it means to Dustin to, like, have Steve. Mm-hmm. And so she just, like, and, lets like, them hang out. have this, like, role model slash friend mm-hmm. to uh, spend time with. Like, Steve doesn't even go in. Like, he takes the time out of his night to, like, drive Dustin there and just, like, pump him up and make him feel good. Like, mm-hmm. he's not yeah. even going in. He, presumably, he just, like, drove from his house to Dustin's house mm-hmm. and then drove him to the dance and went home. You yeah. Know? Like, he genuinely was just doing it out of the kindness of his own heart. And I have a headcanon here also to like add to you know something that steve was actually doing is i was like did steve just wait outside while he did his hair or anything steve showed up before he had even started his hair so i have a headcanon that steve came in and helped oh, him one thousand percent i agree with do you. his hair because yeah. i'm like yeah. how could dustin have done that by himself yeah dustin know? doesn't know how to mm-hmm. comb yeah steve came in and did it and was like hi mrs henderson or like whatever like dustin would not have gotten that singular perfect little curl mm-hmm. right here without steve's help right. like that was a steve production yeah so she's like your ride's here or whatever so dustin i assume was just like he tried and then was like okay steve i'm done and steve was like no 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 absolutely no no, no. no. <laughs> he was like he's like hi uh hi mrs henderson. henderson hi mrs henderson yeah so um he talks to dustin says just pretend that you don't care um steve do you actually think his hair looks good like i'm just confused because like i think dustin's hair looks kind of ridiculous but steve's hair doesn't look ridiculous mm-hmm. and i don't really know how that works but well it's well, because, because dustin has curly hair dustin has mm-hmm. extremely like curly like perm level curls mm-hmm. in his hair so there's not much you can do except turn it into like a funky a little mullet yeah and uh steve's is just swooshy yeah because he has like straight hair and he wears it casually too like this mm-hmm. is like dustin trying to be fancy as yeah. well so it makes him look like He's like, pretend you don't care, but obviously you're trying very hard. (laughs) At this point, I'm a little confused because I don't think that Dustin is trying to get with Max because she's obviously more into Lucas, you know? Yeah. I think it would be a huge dick move and I don't think he would do it in which he would like go and before Lucas has the chance to ask Max, that Dustin would ask Max. I don't think that's what he would do. And yet like later when Lucas does ask Max, he looks sad. I think it's less like Max, like it's less about like, the fact that he didn't get Max specifically mm-hmm. and, like, that his friend is with Max. It's more that, like, this is the first, like, cool girl that he's like, ever, like, considered himself actually having a chance with. Mm-hmm. And all the other cool, cool girls are too cool for him. Right. And they, like, don't come into his circle and, mm-hmm. like, don't aren't into the things that he's into. So he's sad about the fact that, like, those kind of girls seem rare to him. Right. So he does the weird purr thing and he'll finally listen to Steve who he takes his advice very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Joe Curie's like delivery of like, no, let's not, let's not do that anymore. Yeah. Let's not do that anymore. <laughs> and we're uh, we're going to drop that one. And Gaten's like, okay. He's like, okay, I'll finally listen. Yes. Yeah. I said this already, but like Steve doesn't have a good family night, family life and they really needed each other. And now they have each other and it's really cute. It's so wholesome. I love them. Um, I still love that Dustin calls Mr. Clark my lord. Yeah. <laughs> having having a good teacher, like that one yes. teacher that you really trust, is so important. Mm-hmm. It changes and, your life. Yeah, I'm really glad Dustin has that too because, um, like you know, we've said he he has his mother figure, and you don't necessarily need a father figure to um, like have a good life. 
But, but like, it's you, n- it's nice to, uh, to have somebody who you can look up to anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't need, um, like, necessarily... A, a family can be anything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it is, like, important to have role models of all kinds. Mm-hmm. So having Mr. Clark is, is great for... And Mr. Clark is obviously, like also has a really soft spot for Dustin specifically as well. Like, you know, in season one, when his date gets interrupted, they don't say, okay, we're going to call Mr. Clark. Who's going to do it? You know, and they have Dustin do it because they know that Dustin is most likely the Mm -hmm. one who can actually get Mr. Clark's help. Yeah. And, you know, when Dustin's like late earlier this season and stuff, you know, he doesn't get in trouble or anything. Like, I think that Dustin really cares about Mr. Clark and I think Mr. Clark cares about Dustin. As somebody who like also works with kids and does like a little bit of teaching. Well, I did before this pandemic, Mm -hmm. but, you know, you have those kids that that are like special to you and they like love you back and I hope my kids are doing okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have no way of knowing. Yeah. But I hope they're doing okay. I bet they're doing okay. I hope so. Um, so Steve sees Nancy and is still sad, but he leaves, you know. I, I appreciate Steve knowing when the fight is over and, you know, he's not going to go in there and, like, demand to have Nancy back because he knows that her allegiance is now elsewhere. Respectful mm-hmm. King. Um, the Snowball just has such a good soundtrack. <laughs> so good. They're just like, okay, we're going to have a dope score. And we're like, thank you so much. And then they're like, but all of our budget, <laughs> other than like, what was it? Like Wango Tango and <laughs> Rock Me Like a Hurricane is yeah. going to the snowball. Yeah. Um, so we get Twist of Fate and on, um, I don't know, IMDb or Stranger Things Wiki <laughs> said that the song was meant to be an acknowledgement of a second time and, because it was from like a sequel or, like, it was the second time that John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John worked together or something, so it's supposed to be, like, a second thing. Um, it includes the lyrics, love is what we found the second time around, making mm-hmm. it a very apt song for season two. Uh-huh. Oh. Nancy and Jonathan, I guess, have just volunteered for the dance, probably, like, to look good on their college application mm-hmm. or their resume or something, um, because obviously they have, like, internships next year. And Jonathan, we see him now, and then, like, for the rest of the dance, we just don't see him. <laughs> like, I wish we had gotten a shot of, like, Will dancing with the girl and Jonathan being like, nice! Or, like, you know... <laughs> Nancy references the pure fuel kid from earlier this season. And I'm like, do you think of that fondly? No, is <laughs> do it? you? <laughs> it's just like, you know, this kid is like expecting there to be like mm-hmm. alcohol in this punch at his middle school dance yeah. because he's like <laughs> badass. And she's like, yeah, buddy, that's what's in here. Sure, wink, here wink. Um, so Dustin goes off to his friends and they don't necessarily say that his hair is bad. They just say it looks like a bird's nest. And who's <laughs> to say that bird's nests don't look good, you know? <laughs> Here's another fun fact. Uh, when Dustin enters the snowball dance, Mike says to him, holy shit, what happened to you in It in 2017? This is the exact same line that Richie, who is also played by Finn Wolfhard, mm-hmm. says when he sees um, an injured Ben. That's oh, cool. So, yeah. I think that, obviously, when did this, when did season two come out? 16? It was 2017. Oh, it was. So it was yeah. just like, one of them was referencing the other, and who's yeah. to say which one? So Lucas asks Max to, Max to dance, and they go, and it's, like, kind of just awkward at first, which is really sweet, and um, I like that she still calls him Stalker. Like, mm-hmm. of all of the, like, nicknames, like, Honey and Sweetie, she's like, how about Stalker? And he's like, sure. <laughs> yeah, so Dustin seems sad, but he wasn't, like, actually gonna step in on that, I don't right. think. Right. No, I don't think so either. So a random girl asks Will to dance and she calls him zombie boy, which I'm like, I thought you didn't like that. And then it's like, does she just want to dance with him because he was zombie boy? Like, that's kind of weird. I but think it might be like reclaiming a term of endearment. Mm-hmm. And then Will just looks straight to Mike. And you know, of course, you can headcanon that as, well, I wanted, not necessarily like I wanted to dance with Mike or like I want just like, 
I would rather stand over here with my friend than yeah. dance with a girl. And Mike is, of course, like, oh my god, a girl's asking you to dance. Do it. And Will's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Will's like, I, I, I'm okay. Sure. What is girl? So Dustin really wants to ask Stacy, but why would you choose Stacy? She's so mean. Ugh. Yeah, what the Stacey. hell? Like, there's a nice way to turn somebody down. She was so mean. And then all the other girls also avoid him. And so he, like, goes and cries. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel bad for It's him. just, like, another, like, leaning into the stereotype of, like, the mean girl of mm-hmm. at school is also, like, the pretty popular one. Yeah. But then, like, later when she's dancing with Nancy, she's, like, looking and, like, not in, like, a jealous way, but just as, like, a, like, I don't even know in what way. Well, but it's, it's weird. it's very, it's very much the, like, oh, I didn't know he was actually cool. Oh, right. Yeah. Because, like. He's cool enough to dance with a high schooler. Mm-hmm. Then, like, oh, maybe she messed up in well, rejecting him. And this is also like another thing for them to like say that like Hawkins is just a normal town. Nothing ever happens in Hawkins because like these kids are like the epitome of like badass action stars or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And, but no one knows exactly. So, yeah, he goes and cries, and Nancy sees him, and it's just nice to, like, check out that development since he asked her if she wanted pizza in 101, mm-hmm. and she, like, just slammed the door in his face. I thought um, it was cute. I was like, bro, why are you crying in front of everybody? You have to go to the bathroom for that. Um, but we noticed that there was, like, some streamers down. It wasn't a lot of streamers, though, mm-hmm. so I'm still like, you probably should have gone into the bathroom <laughs> to cry. It would have been awkward if they had to, like, move it. Yeah. yeah. Like, the the length of the song that is playing during this time is not long enough for mm-hmm. him to have gone to the bathroom right. while it's still playing and, and also get Nancy mm-hmm. to, like, dance with him. Yeah, so Nancy asks him to dance and, like, teaches him, and Stacy sees it, and she's like, oh my god! Um, and Nancy says that Dustin is her favorite of her, of Mike's friends, which is, like, very nice, but, like, the, like, hope in his eyes, I'm like, okay, well, don't, don't confuse him, though, okay? I, like, I don't think that he at any point thinks that Nancy is, like, actually, like, flirting Interested with him. Interested in him, yeah. Um, I think it's more, like, Nancy is like, hey, you're actually pretty cool, and mm-hmm. don't worry about girls mm-hmm. at your age. And, They'll be like, later. and he's, he's genuinely looking at her, like... This is someone whose approval I have gotten. Mm-hmm. I have gotten the approval of two All high women. schoolers. Yeah. Like he, so he doesn't he's, need to worry. Like he's gotten the approval of Steve and he's gotten the approval of Nancy and like they've both like made him feel more confident about <gasps> like his life and like his chances with like finding love one day. And I don't think it's ever like him thinking that he could ever have a chance again. Yep. You're right. And you know what I think also is that like since you mentioned Steve, I think that like Dustin knows Nancy and has known Nancy, right? And, Mm -hmm. like, you know, sees her all the time because he's friends with Mike and everything. But, like, Steve has spoken to him so candidly about Nancy and how much he cared about Nancy and how cool Nancy is, how special she is. And how Nancy's not like other girls. Yeah, and how, like, Nancy is, like, the epitome of, like, who you should want or whatever. And so, like, dancing with Nancy probably also means a lot to him because he knows that Nancy is, like, so, like, Like, good. Like, a really good girl. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, like... It also, like, like, I'm dancing with the girl that the guy I look up to wishes he was dancing with. Yeah, and it's also, like, him getting the approval of the girl that the guy he looks up to, like, (laughs) the chart, like, him getting- There's so much happening right now. Him getting that approval also probably makes him feel good because he knows that, like, Nancy has good taste because Mm -hmm. at one point she was with Steve. Right. And now so, he's like, like um, what Dustin's I was, like, what a step down with Jonathan. No, <laughs> no, like, and and like what I was 
initially trying to say, like, is uh, him, Nancy saying that Dustin is, like, a lady killer or whatever, <laughs> is, um, makes him feel maybe a little bit more like Steve, who he looks up to. Mm-hmm. And also, next season, he shows up and he has a girlfriend, and we think that she's fake for a while, but she's real. She's real. You know? So, Nancy Susie. was right. Susie. <laughs> Um, okay, so transitioning to Joyce and Hopper. Uh, woo! So Joyce hangs out outside and Hopper shows up and at first you're like, what? Like, did he come here just for Joyce? Like, that's weird. And then, well, I mean, like, that's weird, but also like, oh, what's going on? It turns out later he was like just dropping off Eleven and that's why he's here. But you're also like, oh my God, Hopper, did you come here just for... Just for Joyce? Um, so they can smoke outside because the teacher that used to catch them retired, so it's mm-hmm. fine. But it's, it's, him bringing that up is just such a, like, little, like, uh... He's always like, remember the good old days? And it's just, like, an illicit little, like, thrill of, mm-hmm. like, we're totally grown now and we're allowed to smoke wherever we want Look, we're, because we're, it's the 80s. But we're breaking but, like, the rules. But, like, it's so cute that we're, like, out here flirting and, mm-hmm. like, doing things we aren't supposed to together. Mm-hmm. Um, but he talks about how every day gets better because obviously she's still mourning Bob and, mm-hmm. you know, um, he went through it with Sarah and everything. So, you know, they're both losing still, like, someone who's very close to you. Yeah. And then they hug and it's really nice. Also, so I noticed cool. that when they're sharing the cigarette from, from earlier this season, she like, did we ever figure out what she was doing when she was like, there was something in her mouth? Mm-mm. I don't think we ever figured out what it was, but I liked the consistency that, she does it again here. Yeah. In a more subtle way, but mm-hmm. it's nice that, like, Winona remembered that and, like, mm-hmm. brought it back here. It's probably something to do just, like, with the texture and, like, mm-hmm. feeling of smoking. Right. So this is lovely because they're just, like, side-hugging and she, like, grabs onto his hand and it's oh, great. It's and just, I'm so just cute because, like, you know, her other hand is probably, mm-hmm. like, here. Yeah, and, and and he, like, looks down at her and, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, here's where the head kiss goes. But, of course, she just lost her boyfriend and they're just, like, mm-hmm. not there at this time. And so I'm like, but this is where the head kiss is but supposed to go. head kisses are a thing. When you said that when we were watching it... My brain literally was like, wait, doesn't he kiss her head in this scene? What are you talking about? Where it goes? Like, it he does be, it. It would be inserted so perfectly. Like, I just watch it and I'm just like, and now. And now. Now. Do it. Do it now. Just do it. <laughs> like, this is your time. She might not even feel it. Just do it for fun. Because <laughs> you want to. So, of all of his friends, Mike sits alone because he is a masochist and could probably, like, if, if... Dustin is dancing with Nancy. Mike could find somebody to dance with. You know what I mean? Yep. Oh, for sure. Yep. He but doesn't he, want but, to. But he doesn't want to. He wants to he wants to sit and wallow <laughs> because he, he, he can't dance with a Like he the only person he's ever thought of in the last Year. 600 days <laughs> uh is 11. So like he's going to sit there he'd rather suffer yeah. than uh dance with anyone else. Which like I get because like it's his first big crush. Mm-hmm. But dude I wish Steve had volunteered at the... To go dance with Mike? No. <laughs> just like, I at thought the dance. what you meant. Just like, at the dance. Like, I wonder what he would have done. No, no. The first idea was the right idea. <laughs> that would have been also no, nice. Steve would have been uh, the DJ. Yeah, or um sure. Or just, like, chaperoning the, like, yeah. the dance part and be like, hey, leave room for Jesus. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because all of the couples, including Dustin and Nancy, obviously, and Will and the random girl, like, everybody's leaving room for Jesus, except, like, Mike at 11 and Lumax, who are just, like, hugging and dancing at the same time, which is, like, really sweet, but also not allowed at a, at a middle school dance. Well, I feel like Luke and Lucas and Max could have gotten away with it because mm-hmm. they're, like, they, it's not, like, 
again, I've said this a thousand times, is Lucas and Max is, like, very, like, soft and pure and, like, mm-hmm. child childlike. Yeah. Um, and Eleven and Mike is, like, so intense, angst-laden. And I'm like, girl, it, calm down, you're 13. Yeah. And by girl, I mean, like, the both of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. So Mike sits all by himself and Eleven walks in, and I feel like all the other kids of the dance are like, who is this? Exactly. Isn't that, and then she, they're like dancing and they're He's kissing like, and they're like, what's that? that? Is that my cousin? <laughs> oh my god, I never even thought about that. Wait, wait she's back from freaking Sweden or whatever she was supposed to go to? <laughs> How did that happen? And she has Sarah's hair tie, which of course, you know, was like a big Easter egg that was mm-hmm. brought up pretty immediately after, um, like he, Hopper keeps it on his wrist and now he's finally given it to 11, which is sweet. Yeah. On IMDb, it said, at the snowball scene at the end, Eleven comes to the dance in a dress with puffed sleeves. Mm-hmm. This would likely be a gift from Hopper because in season one, Hopper's reading to his daughter from Anne of Green Gables and he reads to Eleven in Anne of Green Gables. Um, and in one chapter in Anne of Green Gables, her adoptive father gives her a gift, a gift of a dress with puffed sleeves. Huh. So even though we don't see that be a gift from Hopper, it makes sense that not only would Hopper be like, ah, I see the parallel here. I'm going to give her a gift with a puffed sleeve dress because an adoptive father in this thing that I read her did that. Mm -hmm. But also it's a narrative device. Yeah, it's like it's a narrative device here. And it's like also Hopper like learning Mm -hmm. how to be a dad from narrative things that they consume. I think it's interesting that both Hopper and Eleven learn how to like navigate their relationship through the media they consume. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, there's there's a place for it just being a narrative device, which is cool, but then like I also like the idea of Hopper like putting in that thought mm-hmm. and and wanting to make that um make that like leap because both he and Eleven know that reference and would know that it meant a lot. Mm-hmm. So neither Eleven or Mike know how to dance, but they're going to learn how to do it together. And so Mike and Eleven are dancing together. Lucas and Max are dancing together. Dustin's dancing with Nancy. And Will's dancing with some random girl. I don't know who Will could have been dancing with. Even if it had just been Jonathan, I think that would have been even sweet. It's just like... I just like... been bullied, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I just wish he was... I wish everybody got to dance with someone who, like, meant something. I think that the point of it is, though, that Will is dancing with someone who doesn't mean anything because mm-hmm. Will is not interested in girls. Mm-hmm. Like, I am here to preach the gospel of gay Will Byers, mm-hmm. and I will continue to do so. And this, I think, is part of it because, like, he just doesn't seem to have any interest in doing that. Yeah. And, like, he doesn't, it's not something he pursues, it's something that happens to him. Right, that's true. So Max kisses Lucas, and on IMDb it was saying that due to the recurring inability to capture Sadie's reaction to being kissed, that's why the scene had to be shot so many times. Mm. It was, like, kind of a thing after Beyond Stranger Things when they were, like, talking about how they kind of, like, sprung it on her, and she didn't know that she was supposed to be kissing him that day, and mm-hmm. then they made her do it a bunch of Ugh. times or something. So that it kind of came out like that. Infuriating. Yeah, and honest. so that was kind of gross. But then, like, hearing that it was because, like, she kept, like, I don't know, turning away or something, and so that like, they had to redo it because they couldn't get her reaction to it, mm-hmm. like, makes me feel a little bit better, but still not great. And, like, is Max, Max is the one that kisses Lucas, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't you tell her that? Like, yeah. it's not... It's not her that's supposed to be surprised. Like, if your friends, like, if the Duffers are, like, friends with Sadie and they want to, like, pull that cute prank on her, then, like, fine. But the way that it was, like, talked about was gross. 
and it was like, like come on, it's like, yeah, it's her first kiss, dude. Yeah. Like, do we have to do it? If it was like not her first kiss or mm-hmm. whatever, then like whatever. But it right. was hers, and I can't remember and, if it was Caleb's or not. But yeah, it definitely Lucas's. I thought they also did that with with Millie in season one. I they did like not necessarily like not telling her that it was happening. Yeah, in the, but it was in the her script, first kiss. But yeah. it was also her first kiss, and they like made her film it. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think Finn. It, I don't see Finn having kissed anybody before then either, though. Right. Like, he was a kid. Like, I feel like at that point, they are actors, and it's part of their job. But yeah. like, they're also children. Yeah. And like, you have to like be respectful in like the way that you're treating the children who are acting in your story. Like with Mike and Eleven, I get it because like they knew going into season one that Mike and Eleven was going to be like sort of a romance story, and they probably knew going into it that they wanted Mike and Eleven to kiss at the end of season one. Sure. So like potentially like when they casted Finn and Millie, they were like, just so you know, this is what's gonna happen. Like, are you comfortable with that? And they were like, Yes, we're professionals. But, you know, Sadie didn't necessarily like come into Stranger Things knowing she was gonna have to kiss Caleb. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't know. So, yeah, Mike kisses Eleven, and you can kind of see him talking because in Beyond Stranger Things, um, apparently Millie suggested the idea for um, Eleven and Mike to kiss at the snowball, and um, apparently Finn, you can see his mouth moving a little bit, and it's because he's saying, I'm coming in <laughs> before he Goodbye. goes to her. For real? Yeah. They're so funny. Like, I, th- I think that the relationship between Mike and Eleven is, like, very fraught and whatever, but, like... I, I'm just really glad that uh, Finn and Millie just, like, have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And it's clearly not a problem next season because they're, like, just making out. Yeah. Until, you know, dump his ass. <laughs> yeah. So then, of course, the school, we, like, zoom out and we're like, wow, what a lovely season. <laughs> and then it starts going upside down from the school. And just because the gate is closed doesn't mean the Mind Flayer is dead. Exactly. Right. You know? She didn't kill the Mind Flayer. Mm-hmm. We just cut off. It's circulation. It's access. So all the things that it had died because of the, because the thing closed. Mm-hmm. The circuit is closed. But that doesn't mean that the thing on the other side is dead. Right. And, um, of course, the song that is playing during that part is Every Breath You Take by the Police. And the lyrics are, every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. I'll and be of course, watching you. That is when, uh... When it's going, because you can see the mind, the mind player, player is, is like, them. I'm watching. Yeah, exactly. Don't mind me, just, just watching. Just waiting to strike. So yeah, um, that's season two. Yeah. Exciting. We did it. We did, we it. did it. I can't believe that we took all of 2020 to do this and we're like at the end now. That's crazy. Yep. Let's do it again next year. Okay. Okay. Uh, my segment is Good Guy Steve Alert, um, and I have several points for Good Guy Steve Alert this episode. Y'all, there are like at least six bullets over here. There um, are six. I'm ready. So, good guy Steve alert. Steve says he'll take care of Mike. Aw. Good guy Steve alert. Steve apologizes for being a bad boyfriend, even though he wasn't a bad boyfriend. Agreed. Good guy Steve alert. Steve tries to keep the kids safe, even putting his own life at stake multiple times. It's true. Mm-hmm. Good guy Steve alert. Steve got the kids out of the tunnel before himself. Like, he really put them ahead of himself, which mm-hmm. is really nice. Good guy Steve alert. Steve went to Barb's funeral when not a lot of people did, but Steve went to Barb's funeral, yeah. and that was nice. Yeah. Good guy Steve alert. Steve drives Dustin to the snowball just to make him feel confident. Oh, That's really nice. Yeah, it is. He's a good guy. Yeah. And my segment is was Jonathan... How Garby... <laughs> how Garby... <laughs> how Garby was Jonathan this app. <laughs> this whole podcast is Brittany having the giggles. <laughs> too Garby. <laughs> okay. It was too Garby. <laughs> All right. 
Yeah, only two. <laughs> Just two. And my <laughs> segment is, uh, did Joyce and Hopper acknowledge their obvious history? Yeah, they sure did. Like, more explicit than usual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They they hugged, they held hands, uh, there was an sincere implication that something is going to happen here in the future. Mm-hmm. And and they specifically they, mentioned the history. They literally do. They yeah. literally talk about mm-hmm. when they were in high school. So now it's time for our best line award. My best line award goes to Steve and Billy for... Am I dreaming or is that you, Harrington? Yeah, it's me. Don't cream your pants. I love, <laughs> I love the way that he, um, that he delivers that line. He's like... Yeah, I really hate that I have to be talking to you right now. <laughs> it's such a, like, season one Steve sass level, yes, too. It's, yeah. like, so good. Mm-hmm. And mine goes to Hopper in 11-4. How'd you get there? A truck. A truck? A big truck. A big truck? Whose truck was it? A man's. A man's. A nice man. A man's? <laughs> A man's truck. Okay. <laughs> My favorite part, to be honest, is like all this conversation. And then she goes, yeah, a nice man. And then you get a shot of Hopper being like, mm. like, just like, like, you can tell internally he's like screaming, yeah, yeah. but he's like, okay, she's fine. Yeah. Nothing bad so happened, fine, I guess. But oh my God. Yep. <laughs> and uh, mine goes to Joyce for. Will wanted me to give him some space. So I'm giving him a few feet. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's such a, such a good representation of uh, Joyce's uh, balanced method of of parenting. I just, I just feel so bad for Joyce because after season one, she tried to keep Will as close to her as possible. And the the reason why he got messed up was because he went to school. You know, like, yep. Yep. what else can she possibly do to keep this kid safe? Like, I just, I feel so bad for her that she's like, it feels like everything I do isn't enough. Like, yep. she literally does everything she can to protect the people she loves. And every season she loses somebody. Mm-hmm. Give her a break. <laughs> Let her rest. If season four is not Joyce and Eleven going on a super rescue mission to save Hopper, then I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you are so inclined, please rate us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate that. Um, if you give us those little five stars, that would be really cool. Or you can just recommend us to a friend. That would be really cool as well. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show, too. We are now finished. Well, we, Sam and Robin did it. But um, they covered all of season seven, and the show's friggin' over now. Oh, my God. You Thank guys, God. it was something. Yeah. yeah. It's best that it's over, I think. Mm-hmm. It was... Rest the, in peace. The final season, arguably the final two seasons, were both extremely poor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is why we are going back to the first three seasons, mm-hmm. because um, we started on, on season four. Um, so we have podcasts for season four to seven, and we're going to be going back, starting with season three, starting in the new year. So we'd really appreciate it if you joined us. And the, the first three seasons of that show are arguably very, very good. And, uh, so those I'm excited. Are the, those are the three seasons of the show that we all fell in love with and the reason uh, that we're all sitting on this couch right now. It's mm-hmm. true. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. Uh, sometimes too much, but mm-hmm. I, who yeah. cares? Who cares? Um, it is the junk food of television, and it's so delicious. Um, we have such a great time on that pod. Go check it out. You guys, Riverdale's coming back in January, and I am so excited. You guys are definitely going to want to get caught up. Yeah. If you like listening to uh, me talk about Joyce and Hopper's obvious history, uh, come listen to me talk about FP and Alice's obvious history. Yep. Like, let, let's go do it. Come mm-hmm. on. It's the same thing twice. Twice, just 
less good. Honestly, like if you like over 40s OTPs, um, I recommend <laughs> Jopper. And then in Riverdale, I recommend uh, Snake Parents, mm-hmm. FP and Alice. Yep. And then on the 100, now that we're going back, we will be talking yeah. about Cabby, which is Kane and Abby. <laughs> so um, definitely join us for yeah. all of those. Why not? If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. Um, we have... Done all of season one and all of season two, and we are um, at the beginning of season three. Like, we're almost nearing the halfway point of season three already, which is kind of crazy, but season three is one of my favorite seasons, so I'm having a great time. It is spoiler-free until a spoiler section at the end, so if you want to watch for the first time with us, you can. We also have guests over there, so if you are a fan of Lost, um, hit me up, and maybe we can uh, schedule you for an episode. We would love to have you over there. Um, truly, I'm just genuinely so proud of that podcast. That's the one I do the most editing on. True. So, yeah. <laughs> if you're a fan of Star Trek, we like to talk about that show too. We covered all of season one of Picard and we'll be doing more. Uh, yeah, we are hoping to do something in 2021. Like, even if it's just like four episodes throughout the year or something, there will definitely be something on that feed in 2021. So I've been working. I've been working. You can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble and YouTube, mostly on Twitter, but uh, Robin does make gifts of our favorite line awards, so if you want to check those out, head over to our Tumblr and uh, check them out. The, there are a few in there that are especially good reaction gifts, mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. Um, particularly from River. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like we said before, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it's really expensive. Um, you can do annually now if you want to, and you get 10% off there if you do... Any of them, you get early access. Uh, if you do $5 or more, you get 10% off at choppylux.com. Um, and then also, if you want a postcard for this year, the um, link is going to be in the description. If you want a postcard, we're only doing that till the end of the year. So this is your last chance on this feed. This is the last time I'm going to tell you. Um, and then for the sticker packs, we are going to be selling those until they sell out. But we don't have that many, so definitely go and check that out. Um, but we do also still have several of the stickers, like, individually. individually. yeah. Um, so you can get them, get as many as you want. Inco- including a holographic Aficionados logo. Yeah. I don't see in what world you don't want that sticker. <laughs> you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. The next episode is episode 301. It's called Susie, Do You Copy? And it comes out January 13th. So that is coming up. You are going to want to join our Patreon because it's going to be on Patreon on January 6th. So that's why we have to, in real time, record it in like the next week, basically. I (laughs) am so excited for season three. It gives me such good feelings. I'm excited too, because I truly, I've only seen it once. I only watched it the one time I watched it. So I'm excited to relive it because uh, I'm excited to see the details that I may have missed the first time. I think this will be my fifth viewing. (laughs) I'm excited that you will remember things that I'm not going to remember. So that's going to be good. Thank you for joining us this season. It has been so much fun and I'm excited to do season three. Me too. This is genuinely one of my favorite pods to talk on. Yay! Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye!